When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I would like to tell you a story. Knife Talk is sponsored by Evenheat, the manufacturers of the finest knife treat ovens available. Find your next heat treat oven at evenheat-kiln.com. Well, 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 welcome to Knife Talk. This is a podcast for knife makers, knife enthusiasts, blacksmiths, bladesmiths. You know who you are. You're you're here. You've been with us for a while now. With me, I'm Jeff Fader of Fader Knives. With me is the great Mareko Momasi, Momasi Fire Arts, the equally vivacious and luscious <laughs> Craig Lockwood of Chop Knives. And gentlemen, it's another week, Easter week. How's everybody doing? Great. I'm doing great. How, oh, I, I bet you guys are doing great too. Uh, this last week, uh, I'll just kick it off. My, this last week, I've been trying to bust ass on getting some knives done because we're, this this move is creeping up on me really quick. Uh, we actually bumped the moving date up a month, uh, so middle of the next month we're going to be hitting the road, cross country, wow, road trip. Uh, it's going to be five or six days of driving cross country. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's it's. I mean, we did it before um, when we moved out. Uh, it'll be different now, though, because my son is a little bit older. I think he's a little. Uh, he's a he's way more mobile than he was before. So he's. I don't know how he's gonna handle sitting in a chair for eight hours a day. Uh, so we're probably gonna be making a few stops to let him get out and stretch his legs, which will probably be good for us when, too. What's that? When my daughter was Victor's age. Yeah. Hillary, my wife, came up with this great idea. She basically got a backpack, uh, just an inexpensive backpack, mm. and filled it with stu- new stuff from the store, like a coloring book or a this or that or all these things. And every so often, she would pull something new out for Lila to, to play with. Mm. And all of a sudden, it was exci- it became this exciting thing for, you know, my daughter was like, oh, now all of a sudden, she's like, oh, every hour or so, something new is going to come out of that bag for me. So it became this very good way to kind of like negate any like difficult situation. That's, that's a lot of hours to fill. That's like forty hours of shit. Though. Well, you know, you know, I'm not telling you to buy him a Rolex. You don't have to get him a Rolex for God's sake. You Dollar, get him, you know, gotta hit up the dollar a, store. That's right. You just get him, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Oh, oh a pack of cards. Wow, that's awesome. That's so actually it's not you know, a bad idea. That's a, that's a good well, idea. He does have a, a backpack on. He actually, when I got home the other day. Uh, a backpack on he has a backpack and when i got home the other day he was rocking it and he just he's just this cute little dude rolling around with his backpack so adorable um but any any port in a storm you know yeah exactly but otherwise so i yeah i've been working on getting knives done and i got this great gyudo i just finished up it's actually the steel was made by uh peter swarsbert my shop mate um shout out to him 
he made this twisted Damascus uh, out of 1095, 1080, and 15 and 20. And so I had this bright idea of taking that twisted bar and cutting little pieces off, forging down on end, and then forge welding those tiles back together. Um, it didn't do what I thought it was going to do, but it still created a really interesting effect. And I think uh, it informed me on how to make some changes in the future uh, that I think will be really, really cool in incorporating twisted material as mosaic uh, Damascus patterns. But I just, I'm finishing that up. Uh, hopefully be getting that out the door actually either tomorrow or Monday, probably Monday, realistically, because I still got to take photos and sharpen it and whatnot. And yeah, and I got a couple more knives going. Actually, oh man, I don't know if you guys saw my Instagram stories yesterday, but I totally fucked up a knife. I was, uh, I was it's an <laughs> integral chef's knife. I was grinding and cleaning up the bottom shoulders. And the way I do that is I clamp on my carbide file guides and um, I started shimming them to take up any kind of potential slop there might be in like, you know, 10 to 15 thousandths difference from front to back side of the bolster. And, uh, and I was, when I'm holding onto it, I'm holding onto the, the carbide file guide with both hands. So basically I can only see the face of the file guides and the tang and the bottom of the bolster. And I was cleaning up, grinding, 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 and I kept chasing um, this area to get it to just fit, fit up and clean up really nicely and meet up nicely. And it was just not happening. I was like, what the hell's going on? And finally, I turned the machine off and I stepped back and I look at it and the carbide file guides had slipped down. And so I was grinding way up into the bol- bottom of the bolster way farther than I was expect than I was wanting to. Like originally, I was only going to take off maybe a sixteenth of an inch and I ended up going like a quarter of an inch up into the sp- uh, up into the bolster so it is it's still usable as a knife i'll figure something out to make it work but for this order it is not going to work which is sad and very unfortunate but that's this is how we learn it's how we learn jeez but, louise that's a that's a so you have to build a brand new one from yeah but you're gonna You'll make something happen with it, yeah, right? Yeah. Destroy it. Yeah, I'll make something yeah, I mean I I have like a wind chime of <laughs> failed knives or fucked up knives that uh <laughs> nice. I might add it to that because when Ugh. when these knives are all forged, especially the integrals, when they're forged out, um one of the best ways you can tell that it's a solid blade is to tie it to a piece of string and, and hit it with a just like either flick it with your finger or hit it with tap it gently with a piece of metal. And if it rings then that means all of your welds are really nice and solid. And that might be some bullshit myth or something. But I, it makes sense <laughs> to me that if the welds aren't solid, if there's any crap in there and it's just not good, it's going to dull the ring. It's just going to go tank mm. versus ringing like a bell. Huh. So That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so I have a few of those laying around. And, uh, so you got like a... A twenty-five thousand dollar wind chime, too. I would imagine. <laughs> That's what somebody. Uh, so I was messaging with somebody because I put posted that story up, and a lot of people were like, "Oh no, can you still salvage it?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'll just add it yeah. to my wind chime." How, how many people said, "Can I have it? I'll take it." Oh my how God. many of those? How many of those you get? At least a dozen of them. 
Yeah, like, no, I'm sorry. My, like, I don't know. I, maybe I'm weird, but I'm just like, if it's not good enough for me, it's not good enough for anybody. And I'm, I'd rather chop it down and melt it or break it into a hundred pieces to double check my heat treat just to make sure it worked. Like I'm still on track and doing what I, what I'm supposed to be doing and getting results I should be getting. And I've definitely done that lots of times actually. And uh, it makes everybody sad. And I'm just like, you know what? I'd, I'd rather have that peace of mind. And to have that sense of integrity than to feel concerned that I'm sending some piece of crap out into the world. So, yep. Well, there you go. That's where I'm at. Makes there sense. you are. Makes yeah. sense. What about you, Jeff? What have you been up to? It's been, you know, a little more than, than normal. It's uh, I finished up a couple knives. The Oyster Knife game is now back on uh, a little bit more than we expected. So we're ramping up for the net, the net this coming week. We're going to be jumping back into the oyster knives for a little bit, working on some custom orders. And actually, I had a very interesting conversation. I was I had a meeting this week, and then I saw when I was walking to the meeting, I saw a guy that I know from Peekskill, and his he's an interesting guy. His name is Bree Pettis, and he um he he lives not too far from Peekskill, but he opened up a his headquarters of his company in Peekskill, and he's building. This this is a big big news in Peekskill. He's basically building this headquarters for his company. His company is called Bantam Tools, and they specialize in these tabletop CNC machines. Not CNC machines. He calls them milling machines. Oh, yeah. So it's basically a, a these inex. Nah, I don't know how expensive they are, but they're supposed to be affordable tabletop milling machines. So it's probably a couple it's been thousand. Really, I don't I don't know. You know, be honest with you, I don't know. But I uh I, I've known him for I've known about him for a while. We've kind of known who each other are. He actually saw us uh the Modern Forge team when he was at Ma- uh, Maker Fair, he saw us there. We've been like, you know, we know each other virtually, you know, on Facebook and Instagram. And I saw him and I went up and talked to him and he he uh I said to him that one of the big things about these oyster knives are in order to keep them relatively inexpensive, I'm trying to figure out ways in which to make the process easier. And part of that is I'm using, right now, for the oyster knives, I'm using the New Jersey Steel Baron to water jet cut out the blanks with the holes and everything. But it's now it's becoming the, the handles. The handles are like, I got to gotta glue up this G10, and I yeah. got to cut it down, and then I got to rough it up, and then I got to, you know, line up the holes. And it's like, I feel like I wish there was a way that I could do that um easier and i thought ah maybe i should reach out to brie so i saw brie and he was very excited he's just like let's talk about it i want to get involved um let's figure something out and then he said i got a podcast he says i've been and he said i've been listening to your podcast knife talk i'm like really have you he's like yeah he's got a podcast called bantam tools the edge and it's like a very technology driven mm. you know his he, the people he deals with are computer people and designers and and computer cnc guys and Nerds. you know the lots of digital i if you said it not me I, 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 <laughs> i'm a nerd myself I'm, I'm quite happy with that but he's but he was very interested and we're going to do something together and i want to i said i really want to be involved with more local stuff and the fact that this happens to be this you know the cnc machine company is going to move to peak scale and it's going to be a big deal i should be you know being involved with them so he's fired up, and you know, if I could figure out a way that goddamn G10 for some of you knife makers, that G10 is awesome, but it kills your bandsaw blades, it clogs up your belts, it's kind mm. of like roughing it up yeah. is like kind of a pain in the ass. It is. So 
if I can figure out a way to I actually I was last night I was having a few drinks with my buddy Nico and, and I was talking about it and he's just like well here's the sound of your tabletop CNC machine because <laughs> he's gonna get, start to get duller and duller for each one I'm like yeah maybe I hope not but we'll see we'll give it a whirl and then uh, you know blah 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 having the having some fellas over this weekend well. We're talking to you from the past, so it's Friday. Saturday, I'm having the Modern Forge guys come, and Morocco's coming, and a, you know a couple other guys, local guys, are coming. We're gonna have a little, little get together, and uh, I'm very excited about that too. Yeah, I'm excited about it. Nice. My invite lost in the post there, Jeff. <laughs> well, you. <laughs> This is awkward. This is an awkward situation right here. I, uh, I, uh, yes. The answer is yes. No, yeah. You're not, I, you didn't get it? I thought you got your I tickets did, I already. Didn't, I didn't. Right. Jeff, did you no make an problem. ass out of not you and me? Oh, is that an, that's a bad, jo- bad, the bad joke segments at the end. Oh, yes. The answer is yes. The answer is yes. <laughs> that old gag. Yeah, Craig, we're going to have to figure out a way to get you over here sometime. 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 I'm still stranded in the UK at the moment. I'm still still <laughs> uh, heading back on Tuesday. We pick up a new car Tuesday, so either Tuesday night or Wednesday morning, I make the journey in the car. Um, yeah, it's just been a drag. So, but I've been very productive, really strangely. So I haven't been able to obviously be in the shop. Um, but I've got a a new contract with a new customer, a restaurant called Cure in Singapore. They want to be fully wow. dead. Sorry. Wow, that's wow. congratulations. Oh, I thought you said how. What did you think I said? How? No, I said wow. <laughs> I said ow. How the hell did you figure that one out? Uh, no, no, I said wow, that's awesome. Congratulations. Yeah, so fitting them out with knives for the whole restaurant. Um, they wanted a contract and stuff, so I had to get a contract drawn up, which I've never really done before, and that took some time. Mm. Um, once they had that, they then come back and said, we want to buy chef knives for all our chefs as well. So that was an extra oh. order. Wow. Done really awesome. well. So. Also had time to, you know, look at new suppliers and, you know, just change things up a little. So I've got new suppliers for woods, that kind of thing. And he's going to cut them down to size for me. And Like you just mentioned about your the handles for your oyster knives. If the knives are the same each time, you need a system just to get the handles the same each time rather yeah, than, right. you know. So he's going to be doing all that for me. So they'll be coming pretty much shaped. Um, re- yeah, really happy, really happy with that. So... New processes, new suppliers, new contracts. Um, I also want to give a thank you to Clockwork Aprons because they reached out about two weeks ago. They reached out to the three of us, didn't they, about um, yeah. they made an apron to celebrate two years of Knife Talk, the podcast. Um, yeah. And this really cool leather apron with a Knife Talk logo on it. So thank you very much, guys, at Clockwork Aprons. Um, I really appreciate it. That, looks, soon that, that thing comes, looks hearty. Put, it does. I'm going to put up some pictures as soon as it arrives. Well, congratulations, Craig, on your contracts, and congratulations on two years of knife talk. Yeah, you did yeah. a you did two a years. you did a hell of a thing. You know, it's been a long time. Well, at first, I mean, there was a an episode maybe once a month, and at times that was maybe going to once every six weeks. So even though it's two years, we're only on episode. I think this is episode sixty three. Mm-hmm. Um, but since you guys joined, we've done it weekly, and it's and it's rocketed. So, well, thank you, thank you for joining. Well, Thank you. I feel, I feel lucky to Don't be here. Don't thank me. You, I feel lucky too. You're the beast of burden on this one. You you do all the heavy lifting. But We're do you know just, why you know, I do we it? Pop in for an hour. I only do this so I can get my own questions answered. But, you know, because <laughs> you two guys are very knowledgeable. You help me out. Our, our listeners are brilliant too. They help us out. Some and of they, them. 
I'm hoping they can help me out with the question I've got this week. Um, I need to get more stencils made, etching stencils, mm. um, but more on a regular basis. So when I, when I get a restaurant order, I want to be able to put their logos on and all that stuff. But I've been using Ernie in the US, which I know a lot of people use um, to get their stencils made. But I need somewhere in Europe. So if anybody, any listeners know where to get good very good quality stencils for etching. Let me know, please. You need a laser engraver. You can I get do. one of those bench top. What is it? The Glowforge. You can put that. It's a oh. table, tabletop thing. It's a couple thousand dollars, so it's definitely an investment. But once you got yeah, that but, in there, you know, I've, be, I've talked many times about. I'd love to have a, a very good fiber laser, so I could, mm. you know, laser etching and all the rest of it. Sure. Um, and I reached out to a few a few companies, and we're talking sort of fifteen twenty grand. Eventually, plus, I found plus yeah, all the venting and yeah. the exactly, gas and yeah. the production. Eventually, I found some some Chinese supplier, and they were going to do it for about seven or eight grand. Um, and that was just the, the bare machine, no venting or anything. So it was, right. it was literally a case of put it next to the window and hope you don't die, kind of thing, you know. <laughs> um, but they reached they reached out to me last week and said, "Look, we've got this new, this new machine." Um, and it's enough to etch blades, and you can do full etches on the whole blade. You know, like people put illustrations and all sorts on. Sure. Um, and it's and it's four grand US. I'm like, ooh, that's really sound. I can't afford it at the moment, but that does sound sure. tempting. Um, so yeah, so maybe maybe in the future that'll happen. But um, that would be that would be awesome. Yeah. You get guys like uh, Nora Knives. Yeah. Steve and Danny. Steve and Danny. They're, that's their bread and butter. They're the. They are. That's their bread and butter. Is like they do yeah. these beautiful, these beautiful things, the beautiful, beautiful uh, things on their knives. They're, yeah. It's, it's it's definitely an added. But you know, people. I got customers always want something. You know, hey man, can you put the cause some some uh, some anime eyes on this knife? I got a one customer of mine who wants <laughs> anime eyes. I'm like, I don't even know what that is, but no, the answer is no. But, but uh, you know, no. it'd be nice to be able to just say, it'd be nice to say, <laughs> yeah, no problem. You yeah. know, I've got a few friends who are very good illustrators, um, and I'd love to get them involved and do some special knives. Sure. But, you know, maybe one day, maybe one day the price will come down a bit more and it's enough to, to get one in. I think one of my favorites that I saw Steve and Danny do is along with spine and the handle, they laser engraved not your fucking knife on the handle <laughs> on the spine <laughs> yeah. of the steel. It was so good. I love it. Nice. They are, they are that's an awesome couple right there. Yeah. That's an awesome couple doing really great stuff. And I, you know what? If I, when I actually, you know, we talked about this a couple months uh, months ago, which was, does do any time does anybody ever say I want a knife from you, but I want it to look like this? It's always one of their knives. Mm-hmm. I always get a picture for, of their knives. People are just like, hey, I like what these guys are doing. Can you make a knife like this? It's always a Nora knife. And you say no. Very clean. Go buy a knife from them. And I say go to Steve and Danny. I know that I know them. I'll call them up. Get a knife from them. Leave me alone. You know. You want my bullshit? You get my bullshit. You want their bullshit? Go ask them. It always is very awkward when I say that. I believe it. You talking about the weather? How has the weather been for you guys there? The sun has really started shining this week. We've been out in parks and we've been just enjoying the sun, and everybody is happy. That the mood has lifted in the whole of the UK. Everyone's happy. It's incredible. Big time here. <laughs> yeah, no, it's been really nice. We actually went. There's a local carnival that comes through Middletown apparently every year. Uh, I don't know how we missed it last year, but we went. And usually, the coming of this carnival means there's also rain coming. And uh, but we went 
on the, I think it was the opening day or the second day and it was super sunny and it was actually kind of hot and, uh, but it was fun. It was the first time Victor had gone to one, but yeah, there, there've been really nice days here and there where, um, we've been able to get out and play in the sun a little bit. Summers it's, are coming. Yeah. It's so not, it's so nice after such a long, hard winter to start to see things greening up. My wife and I like did all the outdoor cutting and pruning and all the trips to the chipper. All of it's done. And it's just like, we did it early this year and it's like such a, it's so much better back there. So much better. I love it. Nice. So the reason I'm going back to France on Tuesday is because I've got my new grinder arriving on Wednesday, the grinder from our new sponsor, Clarix Metalworks. So we've had a few few listeners already um, buy grinders from them. So they're clarixmetalworks.com. We've managed to get a discount. So if you use Knife Talk 5, you're going to get a 5% discount. And their grinders are epic. So their current grinder is the BG Pro V2. comes with the VFD. The, the platen and everything else can be in any sort of, any sort of angle. Um, it can switch over to a horizontal grinder. Very good value for money. Very, very um, flexible machines. You can do lots with them. So as soon as I get mine opened, I can do an unboxing video and I'll put that up. Um, but yeah, go take a look at them at clarixmetalworks.com. Yeah. Very affordable, like awesome very flexible machines. That sounds sweet. Whoa. Who is that? Whoa, who's that? I saw somebody just jumped in here. Some sneaky guy. <laughs> How you guys doing? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> hey, you talk about slipping into your DMs. How about slipping into your Skype? Wow. Hey? Wow. That's next next level. <laughs> Sounds like a Canadian. Is this, who is, That's right, who eh? is this? Let's see if they can guess who this is. So Canadian, yes. Any more questions? I... Uh, I don't. I, I I got a feeling it might be Jeremy from Simple Little Life. Is that possible? That is possible. Yeah, yeah <laughs> no what idea. a fucking surprise! Oh, sorry for is everybody still there. Hey, this is your show, guys. <laughs> <laughs> that is a total surprise. So I asked Jeremy on for a reason. <laughs> so we. I th- I thought we got hacked. By the way, <laughs> I'm listening to you do the live reads, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden somebody's muted and they're 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 recording the call and i was about to say craig before we keep going <laughs> i just want you to know there's somebody on the line that it's like oh uh, i think we're getting hacked so i've asked jeremy <laughs> in for a very good reason so we've had our quizzes in the past um we got to the grand final stage and jeff decided to bring one of his buddies in um and <laughs> anybody who listened to that show know exactly what happened Jeff was obviously fed the answers. He was. Oh, he, this again? I thought we. His beepings, you know, his, his buzzer was seemed to be a lot quicker than everybody else's. So I thought, let's level the playing field. Let's br- let's bring in somebody who's going to be completely independent and can run us through another quiz. What do we think? That's right. You know, I've been entirely like I basically quarantined myself from you guys on social media for the last while. So I've tried not to like your posts or comment as little as possible. So I think this is going to be a fair, fair battle we have here today, gentlemen. Wow, that is a stat. This is this is quite a surprise. I didn't expect it, but I'm grateful for it. And I'm, 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 I'm back in here. Who is this? I, I'm late to the show. <laughs> I lost connection, but I'm back. Oh, well, we have. Jeremy from Simple Little Life just arrived. Oh, it is Jeremy. Okay. Oh, well, uh, 
Well, that was quite a guess there, Jeremy. I, I screwed you up. So, if you two guys got a buzzer, got your phones handy. Let me let me hear. So, let's start. Craig, is yours still the Crybabies? Mine is. Just a second. Okay. Oh, oh man. You know, I have four kids. That's that's kind of I cringe every time I hear that. <laughs> Mareko, what's yours again? I just opened it up. I got to find one. <laughs> How about this one? How about this one? Love it. I like that one. Love it. <laughs> that is excellent. And then and then Jeff, what do you got? Oh, I, I you know what? I turned the All right, hold on a sec. There we go. There we go. Okay, good. These simple. are all nice and different, so this is great. Yeah, simple. Simple. Keep it simple for me. That's it. Simple. Are you guys ready? We're ready. All the time, baby. Okay. So we've got a smattering of questions in here. Uh, We'll just get into it. The first one is a knife-related question. And uh, we're going to start out fairly easy for you guys. Here we go. You guys all ready? Yep. All the time. Okay. The iconic Bowie knife was named after this designer's last name. (laughs) What? Mareko, you didn't even you didn't even hear the question. Oh, <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. You can answer. I'm going to start off with a negative. I'm going to say James Bowie. <laughs> you it. are that is that is incorrect. Yeah, that is incorrect. So, what was his first name? It was not James Bowie that designed the Bowie knife. That is a common misconception. Right. So we got minus one from Mareko. Oh, by the oh, way, am I supposed oh, to keep oh. score? Yep. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> anybody else? <laughs> <laughs> anybody yeah. else want to chime in? I thought it was Jim Bowie as too. So no. you know what the funny thing is is when Mareko uh, rang in, I thought you were going to say, "Jeff, what's your answer?" Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> your horse's ass. <laughs> okay, the correct answer is resin or reason, R E Z I N, or R E Z I N for you Americans. Resin Bowie. Reason Bowie. Yeah. Wow. Reason Bowie. Yes, which leads right into the second question, and this one's going to help, you know, we're, ta- we're taking it easy. We're going to kind of roll you into it easy here. Uh, who was the Bowie knife designed for? <laughs> okay, was that a ding? That was Jeff. Yeah, you know. that was Jeff. Jeff. That's a quiet clear? ding. I was going to say Jim Bowie. You're right. James Bowie is the brother of Reason Bowie. Ah, wow. Reese designed it for James. Common misconception. Everybody thinks James Bowie designed it. Uh, it actually wasn't. Jeez. Okay. So there we go. We learned something. Yeah. Learned something today. Okay. Yeah, so good. Jeff one. Mareko minus one. Okay. <laughs> here's one that, that is applicable <laughs> to all three of you guys. When did pod, podcasting become popular? What year did it start to really take off? God. It's Ready? a complete guess. Uh, two thousand and nine. Two thousand and eight. Wrong. Is that is that since you answered? <laughs> <laughs> to the point. Wrong. Okay. Anybody else going to venture a guess? Is it going to hurt me point. if I guess? <laughs> yeah. I went one wrong. Technically, yeah. All right. No, I won't guess that. Okay. 2004 is when podcasting started to really take off. Although its huh. roots, they date back like audio recording shows back to the 1980s, actually, for digital audio recording. Oh, wow. But there you go. There you go. Okay. So. Minus one for Craig and Mareko, and Jeff is in the lead with plus one. And, I, and I, I, not controversial yet, all right? Okay, let's go. Oh, shoot, yeah. 
I might have to rig this the other way. <laughs> All right. Well, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> okay. Question number four. Uh, this is referring to knife terminology. And uh, when you're speaking of kitchen knives, the part that's referred to as the heel in a Western style knife, what is that also called when you're talking about a Japanese style knife? There's another term that's used for the heel for Japanese kitchen knives. Ooh, I'll give you a hint. <laughs> it's another body part. No one. Terrible hint. Terrible hint. Right? Terrible hint. I'm going to risk it, even though I may lose a point. I'm going to say elbow. No. <sighs> elbow. Oh, my. <laughs> elbow. <laughs> you guys ready for the answer? Yeah. Yeah. Chin. Chin. Oh, oh, I see. Chin. Ah, chin. You know what's so, a, All right. All right. All right. As a chin sometimes. All right. Interesting. Okay. Well, I'm not doing too good at coming up no, with questions. No, you're yeah. doing, if I'm supposed to win, you're doing great. <laughs> so keep going. Okay. I've got another one here, and it's, it's uh, like about Japanese culinary stuff, but I'm worried you guys. Go well, ahead. Do it anyway. Doesn't Just worry about it. it. Don't worry okay. about it. So, we're good. Whatever you got, we're going to be good. This is a seasonal question. You know, it's summertime. We've got barbecues going. Everybody's getting excited about cooking outside. Oh, what is the name of a, a traditional Japanese charcoal grill? <laughs> Mareko. Is it the yakitori? Oh, it, it could be, but that's not what I have. Uh, okay, Jeff. It's a hibachi. Hibachi, you got it right. Ugh. I'm going to have to take hibachi because that's what was on on here. They sell hibachis at a lot of the Japanese knife stores, actually. Yeah. yeah. Negative two. I, that was my first thought. But then I was like, whenever I go to a Japanese place and I'm like, order from the hibachi grill. It's always the flat top metal grill. And I was like, well, yeah. I can't give uh, that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there we go. There you go. Keep going. Negative two. Everyone's going to be pissed again. There's some sort of collusion going on. Some sort of collusion. The Russians are involved. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Every time. Every time I got to him. I didn't even know who. I thought he was some Ukrainian hacker. I didn't know who the hell it was. Go ahead, Jeremy. (laughs) Okay. Question number six. This one, Craig, you really, you have no excuse not to get this. What is Paul McCartney's middle name? (laughs) Craig. Is it James? No. Oh, no. Oh. I should know this. You failed so the country. I am so happy. We will give six out, Craig. I don't Anybody know. else? Paul McCartney's middle name. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, nothing. I got nothing. <laughs> I don't know any 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 famous person's middle name. Okay, his middle name is Paul. Paul. Uh, Paul. Paul. His- First name is James. Oh, Craig, you're so close. Oh, I was robbed. Robbed. Oh, yeah, this is that's that's always the case. Every time I was robbed, you got it wrong. Getting it wrong, robbed are two different things. We've gone over this. James Paul, right? I, I, of course, I'm so stupid. I said Paul Paul McCartney. Oh, his middle name is Paul. Paul Paul McCartney. <laughs> well, no, Paul would have been the right answer. The first thing I said was. No, but when you said his middle name's Paul, I'm like, oh, that's a weird name. Paul, Paul McCartney. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's let's try something. This is going to be squeed, uh, speed. I'm sure you guys are all going to get this. So now we're looking for speed. Okay. I, I've actually skipped my next question in line because I'm really doing terribly. Here. I'd like to see some people. Wait, wait. Is that, excuse me. No, I think don't skip any best. questions. Don't skip yeah. any questions. Yeah, don't okay. skip anything. You're doing great. If, 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 the, if the idea is for me to win, you're doing terrific. So keep going. <laughs> Okay, this is another one that none of you might get. 
but we'll, we'll give it a try. <laughs> okay, so there are many places that end with the name sex. Middlesex, Essex, Sussex. Why? What is the history of the locations being named sex at the end of their name? <laughs> this is this is British, Craig. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying Craig. to think of... <laughs> He wants Craig to get these questions so bad. This makes me so happy. I'm out. I don't know. I really don't know. Nobody has anything, huh? <laughs> to be clear, they're English and I'm Welsh. So it's, it's a different country. It's a- uh, okay. What's the answer? All right. You guys want the answer? Yeah. yeah. yeah that's it. it comes from the term Sikhs, an old English term Sikhs. And a lot of people that were, were actually knife makers, their last name ended with sex or had sex in it. Huh. Ah. Interesting. From Seeks. Seeks. S-E-A-X. There you go. So there we go. Learning all sorts like of new the, stuff. The Seeks. Like the knife. Yeah. Oh, hey, Jeremy, while you're here, why don't you read off the score so far? How we're doing? See how we're doing. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, uh, well, in the lead, we've got Jeff with two. Second place, Morato with Minus two, and uh, Craig, he's straggling there, but he's only minus three, so he's uh, he's just he's still in it here. Yeah, he's still in it. Only minus three. We should start the game with everybody having a hundred points. <laughs> uh, you better have five more questions there, Jeremy, because we got to run it down. We're gonna run it down. Let's go. I think so. I've got a lot. Of, I've got extra questions if we need them, but I don't think we're gonna need them here. Okay, speed question, guys. Get ready. You guys are all gonna get this one. When talking about heat treating a knife, what does HRC refer to? Okay, Greco. Hardness scale Rockwell C. Yes, you got it. Ding, ding, ding. Yay, negative one. (laughs) (laughs) Crawling back out. That's three points. No, I'm just joking. (laughs) All right, so here's one. This one, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. You've overestimated our skill to this point. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I put too much into this, I think. Okay, let's give it a go here. Other than the Olympic medal, what is the most recognized trophy in all of sport? Craig. The FIFA World Cup. What? (laughs) (laughs) I would like to venture a guess. Okay, Mareko. I want to say the Super Bowl. Uh, no. Oh, shit. <laughs> Back to negative two. <laughs> Jeff, you got anything? I'm not saying shit. I'm taking <laughs> fucking undefeated. I bet it's the hockey one, I'm running the, I'm yes. running the all the way down the field. What an idiot. I would say yeah. it's Stanley Cup. I would think it was a Stanley Cup, but I ain't answering. Okay. Uh, well, now, now you put me in a pickle. Do I give it to you or do I no, not? No, no. I don't need it. I don't need your pity points. <laughs> is that Keep the most, most recognizable out. award in sport, do you think? It, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> the most recognized trophy in sport. I don't know what the FIFA Cup looks like. How old is it even? <laughs> I don't know. You know, it's also the only trophy that isn't reproduced. One of the only trophies that's not reproduced for every season. Right, oh, the current Stanley Cup has been the exact same cup since 1963 after they retired the original one. There you go. There you go. go I figured, you know, playoff season right now, I'm a Canadian asking the questions. That's got to come up, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. They'd ring you out. They'd, they'd ring you out of Calgary if they didn't, if you didn't answer, answer that question. Ask that question. Jeff, how, Jeff, how are them Rangers doing? I don't know, man. 
I don't think they ever. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Right. I went to one hockey game when I was a kid. Quick story is I went to a hockey game as a kid and my uncle took me to the nosebleed section and I was leaning against the glass. And this guy said, if you don't get down off the glass, I'm going to throw you over the side. <laughs> like I ain't watching hockey anymore. Trust me. We don't have glass. It's just, it's just rails. It's like a, it's like waist height rails. It's dangerous up there, man. Holy I'm shit. You guys and your safety rules with the glass. He said, hey, little, hey, you little wimp. If you don't get off that glass, I'm going to throw you over the side. I'm like, all right, I don't like hockey anymore. <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving on. Question number 10. This, uh, okay, let's just do it. Until the <laughs> 1920s, this common salad ingredient was called crisp head. <laughs> Think about it. Come on. Craig, that was that, well, was, that, was, that was close. I'm risking it. I'm going to say yeah. a lettuce. Which type of lettuce? An it's iceberg. Specific. Iceberg lettuce. Iceberg. You got that Get point, Craig. Oh, nice. Look at that. So you're at minus three now. I'm celebrating. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Very nicely done. Okay. Here's a Canadian question, eh? How many points does the maple leaf on the Canadian flag have? Um, ah. Three. What? Okay. I was going to oh, say, well, I'll say five. Oh, boy. No, no. <laughs> oh, shit. That's too big <laughs> with this get spoiled, guys. I don't know what to yeah. tell you. It, it's controversy now. <laughs> it totally is, isn't it? I'm not. Uh, it's 11. 11 points. 11? Uh, the maple leaf on the Canadian flag. Holy okay, shit. next question. Same vein. You guys you guys should not get this wrong. How many <laughs> points are on the stars on the American flag? <laughs> Simple math, guys. Simple math. <laughs> on all the stars? All the stars. Take all five. What? 225. Oh. How many points are on all the stars of the... Of yeah. the... Is that 250? Yes. <sighs> I did the math wrong. 250. 50 stars. I'm to do five math. Boy, it up. This, is some, this, is some, this is some low scoring points on this one. <laughs> Keep going. Oh. We're all better Boy, keeping so, quiet. I cannot tell you how happy I am. I cannot tell you how happy I am. This is okay. making me so happy. Go ahead. Speed question, guys. You guys should all get this. Which you, said pass- for, you said that for every question, no. Jeremy. No, <laughs> I guess it's because I've been looking at you this all for a while. Get this. <laughs> Which past knife talk guest is considered the godfather of making on YouTube? Greg. Jimmy Doresta. Got it right. Wow. He's referred to as the godfather of making, and especially on YouTube. By himself? Very or- good. <laughs> <laughs> Am I back to zero so, yet? Am I back on zero? No, no, you're at minus three. <laughs> oh, got Mareko with minus four, and uh, Jeff is still in the lead with a big old two points. <laughs> okay, this is a trick question. I'm just going to warn you guys. This is a trick question. I don't know why you preface all your questions with something. Go ahead. Yeah, that's what's getting you guys. Okay, so let me just find it here. Which Star Wars movie does the line "Luke, I'm your father" come from? Uh... Oh, oh. What's me? Ding. Jeff, you gotta turn that ringer up. Yeah, I can barely hear, hear it. it. It's like I'm in the back of the middle. All right, make it louder. Uh, that's Empire Strikes Back. Oh, come oh, on, man. Yeah, no, I'm gonna have to take a point away. What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm, Luke, I'm your father. That's, that's, what, what, you crazy? Yeah. No, but he actually never said, Luke, I am your father. He said, no, I am your father. 
Oh, he said it was a trick question. Oh, said it was a trick. trick. Uh, go trick ahead. Question. Take my point away. That was a horseshit question. But I'm with you 100. percent I mean, come on. Pop culture made it, Luke. Right? Okay. There. Now we're. Uh, now you only have one point. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's getting close, but it's getting closer, I guess. <laughs> you better have 20 more questions then, because it's going to get bad. Yeah, I, I don't have 20. I've got a few. Okay. What was Elvis Presley's natural hair color? Ginger. Uh, no, no. Uh, he was blonde, wasn't he? Yes. Rebecca, you just earned yourself a one-up. Uh, you are uh, you're in second place with minus three. Craig just lost one, so he's minus four, and Jeff is in the lead with a point. There's, a, there's an Elvis impersonator where, where I used to live, and he was Ginger, and his name was Elvis himself. So, so I'm close enough. Oh. Elvis yeah. himself. Elvis himself. But there you go. Elvis's natural hair color is blonde, and he dyed it every two to three weeks. Mm. Wow. Okay, so uh, this is actually the last question I have in front of me. You guys okay. probably won't get it, <laughs> just based on how things <laughs> are And it doesn't even really matter. So uh, a knife was found in the burial chamber of this ancient king. It's not a knife question. Rekko. King Tut. You got it right. Ding, nice. ding, ding. Congratulations. There we go. So that was uh, that was 16 <laughs> questions. And uh, we finished up with a minus four points for Craig, Ugh. plus one for Jeff, and minus two for Morocco. So Jeff so, has won, so really. Are we really? Are we gonna, <laughs> with, and not to mention with one positive point on the board completely. That's yeah. a, that's congratulations, all of us, all of us. <laughs> one positive point. On the board wins the yeah. whole. You guys talked about this controversy, one. Any controversy, guys? We we'll have an independent uh, inquiry <laughs> in a couple <laughs> of years into this one. Just I knew it. I knew it. I knew this. I knew that you're a lousy. You're a bad loser. You're not as you're not a good sport. I listen. It is way funnier if I lose. Let's just be a hundred percent clear. I can't help it. Can't help it. I So, Jeremy, are you going to stick around? Yeah, sure. You betcha. Oh, I'd love to really? hang out. Excellent. Fantastic. I, wanna, I just want to take an opportunity to say you guys are doing a fantastic job. Absolutely love it. You know, my only complaint, and I think I speak for the entire community, the Live thing I, I don't like uh, is that there's not more episodes. Like, oh. legit. You know, I, I'm excited for the people that just start listening because they've got all these, you know, they can binge listen. Every time I, I hear the latest episode, I'm like, oh, yes. And I'm like, oh, I'm caught up. But you guys are doing fantastic. Keep up the great work. Absolutely love the show. Good well, that's, stuff. That's a very nice thing to hear. Thank you very much, Jeremy. We're glad that you were. I'm a huge fan of yours. We're all big fans of yours and what you do on YouTube. Is I know for a fact that you've inspired a lot of people, not only with your build-along videos, but just your positive attitude. And all jokes aside, it's very, what you do is very important to a lot of people, and I'm very oh. appreciative of that. Well, thank Absolutely. you very much. Agreed, agreed. Shall we crack on? Yeah. Hey, man, can I ask you a question? <laughs> All right, this is the part of the episode where we answer your questions. Uh, and we actually, so we got Jeremy here, so we're going to get a fourth perspective on all Perfect. of these things. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, I'm going to kick it off with this first one. It's from Gabe Jensen 09. What are the advantages of 2x72 belt grinders with a scalloped edge? You guys those got scalloped on edge on those grinders, yeah. 
Yeah. You seen those? Yeah. Have you guys used them? I, oh, I yeah. rarely They're use awesome. them, but I, I, I like them when I'm getting into sort of the choil, when I'm getting into somewhere where it needs a bit of flexibility on the belt. So I'll put the belt over the sure. side of the platen. Um, and because they're scallop, they don't tend to sort of bite into the wood so much. Right, um, right. But I, to be honest, I, I very, very rarely use them. I use them all the time. Um, nice. The one thing that I note, though, is uh, I actually use the 1 by 72 and uh, especially for those tighter areas, I've had the two-inch wide versions, uh, and oh, they do. Sure? Like they, they basically just don't have the bite when you're moving across on the inside of radiuses. Uh, but the one is even better, obviously, because it's narrower. And then if you get those in a J flex weight, absolutely, like they're phenomenal. You can you can clean up the inside of like a one-inch radius, and there's no biting on your material. Absolutely fantastic. Huh. Yeah, yeah. I'd say if. I've always used just the regular J flex with the non scalloped edges, and um, I I just like I said I've always used those, so I've been so used to them. When I finally got scalloped uh, belts, uh, you know I I understood how they how they would work for people, but they're for me they're just too different, and I have I don't have a problem with getting in there with the regular J flex, and so I stopped using them, but. If you're new to it, or um, I, I I know a lot of people do a lot of handle sculpting off of the grinder, um, this might be a way to get in there and do a little bit more work on the grinder before finally going to like sanding or file work, um, just because it can squeeze into those contours a little easier. Um, but yeah, have you used these, Jeff? That is my. This is my number one thing that I want to get better at is getting closer to. Uh, more efficient with uh, handle sculpting on the grinder because I leave a lot. I leave. I, I end up leaving more than I than I probably should just out of fear. I don't want to go too close. There are guys sure. like my buddy Matt Paul, MP Knives. His finished belt finish is incredible. And and, and yeah. uh, you too, Jeremy. I would love to. I my always. I always like get a little bit nervous when I'm on the the belly of the spine. I like to finish all that off by hand, just because I, I have a hard time figuring out my order of operations to get super super close. So mm-hmm. that I, I have used the, the scalloped edges, and you know, funny enough, I probably used I probably used it too. Um, I probably used it at too rough of a spot on the knives. So like I probably could have gone farther and then finished off with the scalloped edge. But uh, mm. I appreciate what they, you know, I just end up, you know, I, I, I got a couple. I was like, ah, oh, I'll use this 220. I'm like, wow, this thing filled up pretty quick. And then, you know, of course it filled up quick because you're stupid. You didn't, you didn't rough it out with the, mm. with something else. <laughs> but um, that is one thing that I want to, that's like a goal of mine this year is to get better at getting closer to the finished uh, dimensions of the handle with the belt. So I would imagine the scallop belt would be super, super helpful. Nice. Well, when I'm at your, sh- when I'm at your shop tomorrow, I do all my sculpting on, on my grinder too. Um, I'm happy to show you some of the stuff that I do. If you like, I'm, I got belts. I got belts for combat abrasives ready. No scallop belts, but I'll, I'm going to hit you up. I'm going to fuck your shit up tomorrow. I'm going to show you everything. That was a little, that was out. That was a little bit stronger than I expected, but I appreciate that. I appreciate the sentiment. <laughs> We've got another one from Wandering Priest. Hey there, cutie, cuter, and cutest. And we, we can fight that out later. Who's, who's who? <laughs> I'm all right. I know. <laughs> can I ask you a question? <laughs> I'm the bottom of that barrel. <laughs> How would you go about restoring a Damascus blade that developed a little bit of rust, a little bit of surface rust? Hmm. Uh, I, I think it would depend on how 
how far it had gone. Um, I've had to go back in actually on some knives, uh, especially when I've gotten them back um, for spa days. I've had to go back in and re-hand sand uh, and to get all the way to the bottom of the things. But uh, if it's not too horrible, the, the biggest thing is neutralizing and and then removing all that rust because if there's even a little bit of rust left, it will continue to propagate. Um, one way to help kill or or eat that rust is to give it actually in in the coffee bath part of the the active acids in the coffee is a phosphoric acid and phosphoric acid is used to clean rust off of things and so that will actually help not only will it help with the pattern clean and uh, give you a nice contrast but it'll also help kind of eat away and kill that rust uh, but you do have to make sure that after you're done with the coffee uh, or pull a blade out of the coffee, pop it back in the baking soda water uh, to neutralize those acids. They're super weak, so it shouldn't take much. Uh, and then thoroughly, I like to wash, hand wash my blades after uh, after acid etching and, and then hand dry to make sure they're thoroughly dried uh, before then applying any wax coating or any oils or anything. Mm. Talking about um, using acids again, in the forum this week, um, somebody asked the question, is ferric chloride food safe? And obviously it's not food safe. Um, but do you ever come across that question? People saying, well, you know, you're etching with, with ferric um, and we're now going to be using that on food. Is it a problem? I don't think you necessarily want to be taking shots of it. Mm, well, yes. Um, yeah. But it, uh, but it is, how you uh, tell how strong it is. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's it's it starts as a nitric acid, and so you don't really want to be drinking it. But I think as once the acids are neutralized, uh, thoroughly neutralized, you should be whatever surface they were on, they should be fine. Hmm. Uh, especially as long as they've been thoroughly neutralized. Um, there are a lot of different ways to do that. I prefer the baking soda water bath. Um, and basically, for that, I'm doing essentially a pound of baking soda to a gallon of water. Um, that's probably overkill, but I'd rather overkill it because baking soda is cheap rather than not do a good enough job. Um, but I think there are a lot of different ways to create uh, effects on blades. You, you know, cold bluing, uh, there's parkerizing, and like all of these. As Once this stuff's neutralized, um, I think in my head it makes sense that they're safe, but... The reason I stick with ferric and then coffee is because I know that the acid, especially the the off uh, the acid from the instant coffee, I know that that's going to be food safe. Wow. I don't have to send anything out for sample testing or anything to make sure that it's completely neutralized. Um, but you know, if it wasn't completely neutralized, you'd be getting some crap growing on it, uh, which you don't want. But but yeah, I just I try to be safe about it and. But also just on this yeah. within the same vein, um, I know that um, for like jewelers, they tell you not to make Damascus rings or something along those lines because the nickel can be allergic to people's skin, right? Yes. So wouldn't there uh, be if if it was if there was something that was you would still have that allergic react if it was really bad with a no one's ever. No one's ever been like, don't cut my knife with a, don't cut my, uh, all with food allergies. You don't cut my food with a, with a Damascus knife. I'm allergic to it. I don't, I don't know. It doesn't seem like there's ever been that kind of a, an issue, especially if it's been well neutralized. Right. And I think, I think the nickel, well, and it's not, usually it's not, especially in a chef's knife. 
at least the steel that I'm making, it, it's never pure nickel. And I think there might be more of an issue if it's if there's pure nickel. But I don't really know. I mean, it's it's not like they're sitting there sucking on the blade. Um, <laughs> you know, if it's passively <laughs> cutting right. through the food. Then <laughs> you make a good point. <laughs> you make a very good point. That's all those, those yeah. Um, I actually, back to the original question, I actually, when I, I took a class at the Center for Metal Arts with Nick Anger, I made a uh, Damascus knife and I loved it and I put it in the drawer and I don't know what happened. I might've, you know, dropped a, a drip of water on it and I didn't see it for a long time. This giant rust spot came out and it got so, I got so depressed and never wanted to use it. And then I decided I was going to redo it and I had to, to get not only the rust, the rust isn't the problem, it's the pitting. So that pitting you got to get rid of. So I had to re hand sand the entire blade to get all the pitting out, and then I re etched it, and then I re coffee etched it, and you know yeah. this is the this is what you got to do. There's no easy answer. Right. Uh, this is my my uh, my next question. Okay. <laughs> so this one comes from Mars Pax Mars Pox. Hey man, can I ask you a question? How does one transition from wielding to weaponsmithing. What? what kind of question is this? How does <laughs> all right, all right, sorry about that guy? Let's just how does one transition from wielding to weaponsmithing and what are must-haves in order to get started? So apparently this person likes to wield weapons and she wants to or he or she wants to start to make them. What are the must-haves to get started? We've talked about this so many times. I mean it can be done really really cheaply with a bunch of files and i know jeremy's done a video on making a knife with just hand tools um yeah. or if you want to take it up a level you're going to need a grinder um one of the most important things for me is the heat treat oven because you know if it's not heat treated well it's just this knife shaped object so it's a shiv it is it is it's a prison <laughs> shiv yeah um so yeah if you're talking about you know must-haves in with regards to gear i'd say you can get away with most things, but think about your heat treat more than anything else, I'd say. So is wielding like a, a hobby or a pastime? I've never heard of wielding before. I don't know. It sounds like a LARPing talk, yeah. talk to me. Wielding. Like I, I think we get I think we have a large uh group of LARPers who listen and they I think they're trying to use more frilly language. Yeah. LARPing gotcha. language. What's a LARPA? No. Oh man, come on, man! You don't know Live what a larper is? Play. Yeah, yeah. come on! These guys who dress times. up for like uh, for a Renaissance fair and they hit each other with foam swords, and they and they you know you know you know about that you know about larping. I, I see. I sometimes there's PVC mean. or rattan inside of that foam. They like I tell you what, reenact battles, that kind of thing. Yeah, we mm-hmm. when I was back in the day at my old shop, we my our boss called us and say, "Hey, we got this kid who wants to work here in the shop." And we're like, we kind of wanted to get people who had a little bit of experience. And 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 uh, John Ledford, the lead man, says, "Well, what kind of experience does he have?" And he says he was. Uh, he says he w- made chain mail at the Renaissance Fair. And John was like, "Tell him to kick the kick the street. We're not interested. We don't want to. No Larpers. No Larpers need apply. Chain mail to the media blacksmith. So, you know, Larping. Get ready for the hate mail. By I mean, the way. Jeff has also mentioned before. There are a lot of places that." offer classes teach classes uh like our uh, our guy jonathan porter down in florida he you know doghouse forge they teach classes um yes, he does. there are all kinds of abs sanctioned schools there's the new england school of metalwork there's one in arkansas i think there's a, one in iowa uh or ohio i can't remember which one but they're all over the place uh you know grizzly forge works down in oh, arizona yeah did you see robert 
Labash, he's great. Yeah. Did you see Steve Roger. Pellegrino, the, the, the best-dressed man in knife-making? Um, he did a knife-making course um, with Jimmy DeResta this week. And yes, I did. Did you see oh, their no, setup where they had all those grinders? It looked incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was um, crazy. Hmm. I'm going to see Steve Pellegrino's coming down to the shop tomorrow, so we'll have that one. Yeah, he, uh, they, got a, they got a deal with the grinder company, and they made uh, stock removal knives. Hmm. They did a nice job. And people had a good time. Looks like they made a lot of stuff. It's hmm. great. They're good. Love it. All right. We got that one covered. I got this next one. All right. This next one's from at Gunhan uh, Avni. He says, Hey, cutie, I want to start make, I want to start making resin handle scales. What advice can you give me to start this? Do I need a vacuum chamber, etc.? cetera? Uh, and then also Michael Johannes Oliver also wants to know, Oh, wants to know about epoxy ratios. Uh, so you guys have more experience with this. I'm going to let you take this. Shall I start? Okay. Um, Please. I mean, if, first of all, epoxy ratios, it's going to depend on the epoxy you're using. So most of them, they're going to have some sort of instructions or written on the bottle. Um, yeah. Generally five to one, something like that. But it's going to depend on, you know, which make, which brand you use and that kind of thing. Um, what you need to, to to start making, very, very little. Just get some get some resins um my first testings were done in um like cupcake molds so get those silicon cupcake molds and and just just start pouring some um you can test your your ratios you know if you want to put color in you can test how you want to do that and they just pop out of these little silicon molds um if you want i've seen people i've seen people use just really quick i've seen people use soap and butter molds as well yeah uh for handle scale sized material It's yeah. a good idea. It's a real good idea. But I mean, you can get um, special molds made um, for any shape that you want. I mean, mm. you, you can buy kits to you know make a make a wooden handle, sure. buy some <clears> silicon <throat> stuff to make your own anyway. Um, but it, it's super cheap, super cheap. So we, so we also asked, does he need a vacuum chamber? Um, you can get different types of epoxy. Some so some is really fast setting and gives us a lot of heat. Some is much slower setting and doesn't really give up give it that much heat. Um, I've used both. Um, and what I would say, the fast setting stuff, they can be quite difficult to get rid of those bubbles. So you might want to use a vacuum chamber. But one thing I did is I laid them, once they've been poured, you also need to make sure it's on a completely level surface because it, it's a liquid. It, mm. it'll, it'll find its own, you know, horizontal. So what I did, I put the mine on my drill press because I know that's been leveled flat and it's got this cast iron table. Put it on the drill press, but actually turn the drill press on so it vibrates. It vibrates that mm. bed very, very mm-hmm. slightly. And what I was finding, what that was doing was vibrating the bubbles to the top, to the surface, and then they just disappear. So it, That oh, is yeah. awesome. Yeah, so That's it works like, yeah. a, like a vibration plate, like you know, and it'll get rid, get rid of bubbles. So, you know, it's, 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 it's a gangster way of doing it. It's not, you know, it's not the way the professionals do it, but it, but it worked for me. A gangster way? That was a that was a that is a tight move. That just let because that's with a, with a slow setting epoxy. That's going to get all your bubbles out. Yeah, and it, and it does work. I say the, the professionals wouldn't do it that way, but it certainly worked for me. Um, but you know, I'm far from professional. I've I've done one or two resin handles, um, and I've still got a bunch of handles which I put sort of food stuffs in and stuff, which I've still got just sitting there to see how they're getting affected. Um, so I'm hoping to go back to that in the future and do more of that. But um, yeah, it can be very, very cheap. The epoxy isn't that cheap, um, but try try a bunch of them. Try a bunch and see how you get on. I, you know, I reached out to uh, Nate Zimmerman of Zim Knives, and he right now he actually did he made some uh, 
he made some micarta with like uh, Dungeons and Dragons cards. I don't know, whatever those cards oh, are. Wow. It was like a magic cards or something like that. Mm-hmm. And sure. I reached out to him, and he just made a mold with uh, plywood and just kind of. I think he lined the 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 mold with like saran wrap, and then he was using. He told me that he used the West Systems. 205 slash 207 and then he used um the he used the the directed pumps and the directed pumps that that system uses does a great job of of giving you a very hard the resin was super hard and i think it's very slow acting so what he was doing i don't know he did some with cards but he also did some with uh fabric and he had a bowl and then he just put the fabric in the bowl, the strips of fabric in the bowl with the West Systems. I think it was very slow acting. And he basically would toss it like you would toss, like, you know, for lack of a better term, a salad. And then he was laying them out in this in this mold that he made and, and then uh, and then we just pressed them down. And then he said they were super, they were super hard. Mm. That's mm. my go to epoxy for most things. The, the West Systems 205. Um, right. I like it a lot. A lot. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I guess that's the, I guess that, and then whatever there, he said, uh, he soaks each piece completely, stacks them up and clamps them and squeezes them as flat as possible. And they dispense out automatically with the measured pumps. So Jeremy, you ever, uh, you ever make micarta? I never made micarta, but I do use that epoxy and, uh, those pumps are, they're really handy. There's no measure because they're different ratios, right? Like a lot of epoxies are one-to-one. Whereas the West Systems is different. Mm. The hardener is less than the resin. It's five to one. And so I those think. pumps, yeah. yeah, something like that. But those pumps are awesome. Just one full pump of the resin, one full pump of the hardener, and boom, you're good. I I've done some experiments. Go ahead. go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, just as, you know, I'll use that sometimes if I've got a lot of intricate work as part of my glue up instead of like a five-minute epoxy. And uh, usually I have leftover and so i've just experimented you know filling little plastic cups to see how it dries and i'm i was actually really surprised there's very few bubbles in it and then also if you take a heat gun while it's while it's still wet and kind of blow it that kind of helps pull some of the bubbles out very quickly as well you just want to be careful not to over it right right perfect you want to kick it off accidentally now just say out of curiosity because i use the one-to-one i actually use loctite epoxy because i can get it readily and then i think it's for me for me it works fine do you ever with the West systems? I know one can smaller than the other. Do you ever run out of one than the other? I'm still on my first can of each, actually. I've, oh. I've yeah, I mean, I've used it for years, and um, no, they're, they're they're weighed out or they're measured out into the cans. The right is yes. I use these like micro scales, and I, and I weigh by. Sorry, I measure it by weight, which I know some people say, well, that's not exactly accurate because it's volume, but it, I, I use weight anyway. Um, and yeah, they, they seem to run out around about the same time. Um, and hmm. it's, it's just really good stuff. It's really, really good stuff. Mm-hmm. Nice. There we are. Okay, we've got another one from, oh, this name. This name's going to kill me. M- <laughs> MJB123456789 rolls off the tongue, that name. MJB. <laughs> He's probably laughing. I can't believe he read all of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm looking to try my hand at Damascus, and whilst I know that you will need a forge, hammer, and anvil, what machines would you recommend? The caveat is that it would need to be neighbor-friendly. Um, in my mind, this rules out the power hammer, and I'm not sure if you can make a hydraulic forge quieter, leave me at a rolling mill, which has its limitations. So I think what he's trying to say is um, he wants a machine to help him make Damascus. He's ruled out the power hammer. Um, he's asking, can sure. you make a hydraulic forge quieter, or is a rolling mill any good? Fly press. Um, 
I'm, I'm gonna let this. Yeah. Fly press. <laughs> Matt, you know what? Jaw jokes aside, that might be your best move. No, I want to cool. light this. I want to light this guy up. To be honest with you, that's a, you know you're asking you're asking the moon. You know you gotta you know you make an omelet, you gotta break some eggs. You know <laughs> you gotta figure out what you gotta do. Can't have it I, all. I will. I will say about hydraulic presses, they are surprisingly quiet. And if you're working uh, out of your garage, one, if all the doors are closed. Um, I mean, which probably isn't ideal, especially if you're running a forge in your garage, but um, the the noise that comes from them is not actually that loud once you get outside. And especially if you're not running it constantly, um, it, it's, I would, in my experience, especially smaller presses, um, which are, you know, you can find them all over the place, but they're usually like a 20 ton press or even like the Coal Iron Forge Works press. Um, those things are surprisingly I mean, they're noisy when you're standing right next to them, but they're surprisingly quiet. They're they're quieter than an air compressor. Um, so I would say, I, it, while hydraulic presses can be noisy while you're standing right next to them, using them, once you're outside of your garage or a couple houses over, you can't. Or even the next house over, you can't really hear it. So I wouldn't be too worried about if you wanted to do something that was uh, neighborhood friendly. Hydro, I would definitely go 100 percent with a hydraulic press. And I imagine yeah. too those those rolling presses they're they're not that quiet. I've never heard one, but you know there's got to be some type sure. of a gear reduction in there. And you can't. Well, I don't think you can set the driving it. Oh, sorry. Um, so I was just gonna say I don't think you can set the welds with those, can you? Don't you have to use it? You need some sort of you need a press or power hammer or, or hammering to set the first weld. Use those rollers uh, for like stretching it out. You can use rolling machine uh rolling mills to set welds but oh you can if you're gonna go that route your material has to be super clean clean so that the rolling mill isn't doing a lot of work because realistically it's not going to be doing a ton of work um it will the, the biggest goal when you're setting your weld is to get full compression through the entire height of your stack and uh you got to make sure you're using something that can do that and if you're doing it by hand, then you're not probably going to be starting with a giant stack. You're going to be starting probably with something maybe maximum two inches tall. Uh, because if you're driving with the hammer, with your hand hammer, you want that force to transfer all the way through uh, the height of that initial billet stack. And if you can't do that, you're probably not going to have the greatest success with getting those welds set, at least in that first round, until that material is reduced down more. But and MJ- I would say, you can afford the hydraulic press. Go for it. Otherwise, get a fly press. MGB also MGB one two three four five six seven eight nine zero also doesn't have a hammer or an anvil or a forge, so he, he worried about the. Oh, I got a lot of <laughs> Yeah, dude, you should take a class, dude. You should and you should try it out, and then all of a sudden, don't worry about the hydraulic press because I think you need. I think you got bigger fish to fry <laughs> that hydraulic press. Yeah, I would suggest taking a class because that is that would be a pretty serious investment up front. As That's Jeremy, just, as Jeremy knows, like he's just six thousand dollars right there. Yeah, and Jeremy, as Jeremy knows, he's just forged some blades. He knows how hard it is, and he's done a great job, too. It's a lot of work. I was absolutely, you know, you beat on it and beat on it, and it's like, why isn't it moving? I have a lot of respect. Until you actually go forging blade steel, my goodness, you just really don't understand how much force it takes to move that. I was Mm. really, really surprised. Yeah, You got a big mama hammer like I do? I don't know. I'd like a, maybe a three pound, five pound. I don't, I'm not sure. I got to find a lot of work. 
everybody watches these videos, they watch Forge and Fire, mm-hmm. and they see it, and they think they know it. But until you can feel what the steel feels like under your hammer from your hand, when you strike the hand, the, the steel, and you can feel it moving in your hammer hand, you don't know. You have no idea mm-hmm. until you actually start doing it. And then yeah, the whole idea, all these guys, they think, oh, you just hit it a couple times, it turns into a knife. It's, no, there's so much more to it. There's so much... Uh, sensitivity. There's so much finesse involved that you don't even you can't pick up just by watching videos. So, yeah, sure. MJ, MJB one two three four five six seven eight nine zero. Go take a class. And change that name. Change that name. Yeah, <laughs> but change your damn name. He's mentioned that you know he's asking that not only does he need to forge a hammer anvil, and then he's talking about either presses or power hammers. He's going to need a lot more stuff than that. What does he need, Moreco? What does he need? Oh. So, so well, we were talking about those scallop belts earlier, and our our next sponsor from Combat Abrasives. If you go and uh, check out their stuff and buy some stuff from them, make sure that you're using the promo code Knife Talk Ten because that's going to save you ten percent uh, on anything you buy from them. But they got all kinds of things from uh, from grinding belts to discs, epoxies. They even have stabilized woods. But I was just actually cruising through their Instagram feed, and they do actually offer scalloped belts. I've never seen scalloped belts that go up to 600 grit, and they got them. So I'm actually going to get a hold of them and get a hold of those, some of those scallop belts, uh, the 600 grit scallop belts, because uh, the, the higher you can get, higher grit you can take all those contours to before you get to hand sanding, that's where you're going after that, the better because it's just that much less work that you have to do. Um, but yeah, again, if you go to the website combatabrasives.com, punch in the knife talk 10 code. Uh, when you go to checkout, you're gonna save yourself 10%. And uh, they they're I I keep getting messages. People are like, are they really that good? I'm like, fuck yeah, they're really good. I love them. And um, more and more people are getting a hold of them, and they're having the same uh, reaction. And we're getting lots of people posting about their new their orders coming in and stuff. Um, but yeah, I've been blasting through some Crew Forge V with 36 grit, and that stuff is devil worship. Trying to grind through that, it's it's so wear resistant, and uh, the shredder did made easy work of it. Easy, easy work of it. So get in there and get some of those belts for yourself. Save yourself some time. Um, you're grinding just by working with better materials. Um, you know, we, we try to gear up and get up as much as we can. And a lot of people think, oh, this is where I'm going to save some money is on the belts. But you, you don't realize how much time you actually end up wasting by trying uh, to go cheap on the belts. And yeah, the combat belts are actually pretty competitively priced. So I, I just say save yourself some time and just get yourself some good belts and stop messing with it. So Knife Talk 10, CombatAbrasives.com. Do it. Nice. Nice. Let's carry mm-hmm. on. Let's carry on a roll. Um, at AC Salas asks, Hey, cutie, can I ask you a question? What steel moves easiest when forging? And for context, for context, he says he's a stock removal guy and wants to start forging. He's got a length of railroad track for an anvil and a repurposed three-pound mm-hmm. sledge. So what steel would be sure. best to start with? Mild steel. Yes. That would be the Not- best. Not oh one, that's for sure. Not oh one, no but way. Don't start. I tried. I would never. I would. Ne- I. I would never suggest starting off with knife steel to learn how to forge because it's so much harder, and you don't understand what you're. It would be. It's like it makes everything more difficult if you're starting out with the most expensive and most the hardest steel. So if you start out with some mild steel, 
you'll under, you'll learn the mechanics of the forging and you'll understand what's supposed to happen and how the force works and how the anvil works and how the your tongs move and how you your how you become more efficient and then once you get more efficient and comfortable with the mild steel then you move up to a more expensive knife steel i wouldn't i wouldn't start off with just getting some knife steel and just hitting it cuz it's like you're going to be miserable and I'm, I'm coming at it from the same point this guy is asking his question. I mean, I'm a stock removal guy, and I've started forging lately. And absolutely, I remember you saw some of my stuff I did, I think, last summer. And you're like, oh, don't do not do the knife steel. You know, do the mild steel. And what a difference it is. And so that was absolutely the you – know, and, the, and the thing you say, like, it's learning how the material moves, right? You can beat on something, and all of a sudden it's like, what the heck is this? Yeah. Like, I didn't do that. And uh, even to that end, I've actually tried, like, clay and just with sure. light – Hammer blows just to kind of understand what it does, right? You know, the angle that you contact the steel is going to affect how it moves. And that is, to me, that what I'm learning from some noob coming into it. That's like the hardest part. And the, the biggest part of forging a blade is moving material. I mean, obviously, but it's something I never really thought would be so in, in depth. I thought, oh, I can make a knife. I should be able to beat one out of steel. It's a, it's a whole different ball of wax. That's what sure. a lot of guys do is they use that, that, the, like clay. I've seen Uri Hoffi when he was explaining how things work, he got a lump of clay. He used, that no, wasn't clay, it was like plastic. It was like kind of like Play-Doh. Kind of mm-hmm. Plastic. Yeah. And he was, he was using the hammer and the anvil exactly the same way with the steel. And he was getting, it was pooching the same way. The steel was moving the same way. It was, it was, I mean, obviously you're not <laughs> hitting it as hard, but that's how a lot of these guys, when they're doing like the dragon heads or they're doing, you know, they're trying to figure out because the, there's no going back with forging. Like that's the, that's mm, the right. thing it's you, you, <laughs> you, you can go nope. too far and then there's no bringing it back. So if you're using you know, mild steel, if you're using um, plasticine just to kind of see what I have to do next, you're going to save yourself a lot of time. But that's the most important thing is understanding the mechanics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say, though, once you're ready to step up from the mild, 1075 is a super forgiving material, uh, especially for introduction to actual forging steel. And it's a great it's a great material. It's, you know, 0.75% by weight carbon. So it's got a good amount of carbon in it. Uh, that way, as you're forging and, you know, you're losing some of the carbon to, uh, to through the forging process, you still have a good amount when you're done and it, you're not leak, you know, it's not leaking out horribly, but anyhow, uh, it's really, it's pretty straightforward to forge and also easy to heat treat. Um, so yeah, I would suggest 1075, uh, for an introductory kind of for forging, you know, first forging anything. Uh, when you get ready to get to real stuff. Nice. Sweet. All right. This next one is from m.c.forge. Uh, what's the best foam to use for Kydex press? We got the, we got the best guy in here for that question. Let's hear it. Jeremy. No, 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 no. They listen, by the way, if you haven't seen Jeremy's Kydex videos, this, this guy makes Kydex look like it's real high level. I hate what? Kydex. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I do not enjoy Kydex. What? Out of necessity, you sell a knife, like a, a field knife or a hunting knife, it needs a sheath. And I yeah. was terrible at leather, and so Kydex kind of saved the day. But I'll just say I do not enjoy working with Kydex. And mm. most people are like, what? Yeah, I mean, it's easy, but I don't know what it is. Even you, Jeff, you've called me out a few times about my hate for Kydex, I but I don't enjoy any, it. I haven't called <laughs> it. You, you, you I haven't called, called it. You did. 
I never called you out, Jeremy. I only, I only call Jeff out. Never calls anybody out. I call out. No. I call out Damascus Dave. Difficult Dave. That's all I call out. <laughs> um, anyways, I, uh, the the phone that I got was just from. I, I it's just one of the knife retailers online. Um, I forget holsters.com or something. I don't know, but yeah, holster it's specific. Kits. Yeah. Holsterkits.com, I think. And it's, it's a Kydex specific foam. I tried like a army surplus foam, like the cell sleeping pads and it worked for a couple of them, but then it would leave permanent impressions. And, uh, mm. the press that I have that foam, I've been using it probably for three years and, uh, it still works really well every time. So it's good stuff. Don't know what it is though. You can get got to buy right the first time. Well, I mean, it all, it all, I've used expensive foam and inexpensive foam and I don't really, I mean, I don't get too prescriptive about it because I think that they both work fine. I think that the most important thing is you have your thickness correct because if you want, you want to make sure that the foam, you know, if you take the, the, how, how wide and how thick your knife is with the handle, you've got to make sure that both pieces of foam together are a little bit more than mm-hmm. the, the the thickness of that knife. Otherwise, when you press it down, the wood is going to kind of like, cr- you're not going to get a good compression. So the more important thing is making sure that you have the right thickness of, and usually they come in like three quarter, three quarter uh, pieces. And that's pretty good. I, it's, it's very inexpensive. Uh, the Kydex foam, uh, generally speaking, the, the whole reason why Kydex is so great is because it's very fast. It's very efficient and it's very effective for you to do yourself without a lot of problems. Um, I agree with Jeremy completely. I understand why it's a pain in the ass, but I, I leather working for me, the thought of doing leather work is like, I can't, I can't even think about it. I can't, I can't even imagine. Yeah. So, and it's not the best for a knife either. The leather's going to soak in some moisture and you're putting your knife That's in true. there. It's not going to be the best thing. But it looks so good. Yeah. It looks so good. The leather sheath, a classic knife with a leather sheath looks mm. so good. Some knives just don't look good in Kydex. You just couldn't put a Kydex on a, something that looks a little bit more traditional. You need a leather sheath for some blades. I'm starting to get more like cra- you can get like crazy pattern kydex which i like like rattlesnake it's a it's kind of okay. you know, it's kind of cheesy and but at the same time it's like that that's the the whole reason why i did kydex is because it was i just hated having to send my knife out to get form fitted a leather sheath and i couldn't just do everything myself so that's the reason why i started doing kydex and i didn't buy a, i made my kydex presses and you know you you I try not to, I try to make them, I try to roll them in the price too. So if somebody decides they want a leather sheath, it's not like, you know, they can go get a leather sheath made. Mm-hmm. There you go. Cool. All right. Next question comes from Oblivion Blades. Uh, this is going to be a good one. Hey, man, can I ask you a question? What is the one steel that when people mention its name, you say to yourself, fuck, I hate that shit. This come and his name's Jez, apparently. So, is there a steel that you're like, you just like, I don't want to work with that? Oh, one for me. Um, and not so much for <laughs> actually using it because you know, all stock removal isn't there's not much of a difference until it comes to heat treat. Um, but I just think for a, a chef's knife, I mean, you're looking at the sort of patinas on blades and how they'll age. Um, and oh, one tends to, in my experience, have a surface rust faster than anything else I've ever used. Um, and mm. that can be a real pain. So I, I did some corrosion tests and I made a little video about two months back with a bunch of steels. 
Uh, that showed me again that Owen was by far the worst with regards to surface rust. Um, so I, I tend to use fifty two one hundred for for most things now, which you know it's very similar. But I find that they it'll, it'll age better, it'll patina nicely, um, and you know there's is less less chance of just this rust appearing, which is you know nobody wants in a kitchen. For me, I would say Crew Forge V, even though I still use it, but it's such a pain in the. It's just so wear resistant. It's such a pain in the ass to finish out. It's it's a nightmare. But that's probably the only one I've really worked with actually that I said fuck this deal. <laughs> How is the Forge? I still How's work with it. It's stiff under under either either hand hammer or power hammer. It is super stiff. So you kind of and and it it loses heat. It's, surprisingly quickly which doesn't make sense um and under a press it's different but under hammer you can get a little bit more work done but it's it uh it hot shorts because of uh, the high carbon content as well as the alloying in it um and so if you let it get too hot that means so hot shorting is letting it get too hot and then trying to work it and it just kind of like starts to crumble like kinetic sand in a way um which is not good and then it it uh and then it gets super hard once you get down to like 1600 degrees 1500 degrees where it seems like most steel you can still forge a little bit um or at least do some corrective work the crew forge v just does not want to work it turns into a stone so yeah it's when you said hot shorts i thought i thought you were when you said hot shorts hot shorts it, hot shorts <laughs> yeah. I, I thought you were referring to cold shuts which is not oh. too, you know, not too, you know, it's in the same forging conversation. But I thought that's you were going to make a beachwear joke. When you get no, I, I'm, yeah, that's I was, what I was I, waiting for. No, 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 no jokes here. <laughs> I was just talking. I thought you were talking about cold shuts. I'm going to change my. I'm going to change your answer completely. And when I was forging, uh, we were doing ra- iron work, uh, railings and stuff. I hated forging bronze. Uh, we forged. Um, we were doing pickets and we were making like finials and all this stuff. And uh, we had to forge um naval bronze and when you're forging bronze it's it's terrifying because you can't really see that if if it's hot you have to turn we were turning the lights out in the shop because you can't really tell if it's the right heat and if it gets too cold or if it gets too hot it what it crumbles completely so like all the work you've done it's just like it turns into like dust not dust, but like it turns into like like a broken dough. So like anytime we were doing, we were having to forge bronze. I was like, oh Jesus Christ, this is gonna, you know, because you can spend a lot of time working on it. And all of a sudden, at the end, you know, you get to fire up the TIG welder and put it all back together. Ugh, oh, the worst. What do you think, Jeremy? Is there steel that you just think, oh, I really don't want to be working with this stuff? Um, yeah, and it's actually probably my favorite steel, and that's Nitro V. Um, I love the way it grinds. I love the way it machines. Uh, but it warps so bad during heat treat. Um, I, I like the edge, too. Like, when the blade is finished, I just, it's great. It's not that expensive. And I don't know, there's something, I, th- I would say that's my favorite steel, but it's the one I like working with the least because I don't know how many blades I've had to toss because they just banana and often you'll come out, you know, plate quench it, it's straight, and then I put it in cryo, and it comes out crooked. Or sometimes during the temper, like it'll go into your temper nice and straight, and it comes out just completely cattywampus. So I've actually started to, when I temper now, I put it between 3-8 steel plates and clamp it. Mm. 
and then I obviously mm-hmm. leave it in a little bit longer because those those plates will isolate the heat and it's not going to get up to the, t- the temperature uh, as quickly. But that definitely helps. Sure. But even then, I mean, I don't know if I've made a blade that I haven't had to go back and straighten. And uh, obviously, I've broken quite a few of them. I think last year I broke nine blades, just snapped them. And, it, man, it makes a guy cry. But oh. I love that steel. hate the warpage. I think the warpage has to do with the way that it's processed and then handled. Um, I think that's one of the steels that will actually sometimes ship in large coils. From, from what I've looked mm. into it and stuff, there's just something about the way that it's... it's. I mean, you know, you look at ABL, doesn't doesn't warp nearly as bad in my experience, and that's a very, very similar steel. Um, other stainless, I've worked with CPM 154, 154 CM, 440C. I find those are fairly predictable, and they're usually not that bad, but for some reason, man, Nitro V is like the banana, the banana steel. I, I Now that we've got you here, because I actually got some AEBL and some Nitro V, and I was having a hard time hardening it. And it got to the point where I just, I was, I had to buy, I, I actually call, actually, here's the reason why you should use the New Jersey Steel Baron. I got it from him, and they got me on the phone with Aldo, and Aldo kind of talked me through it, because I was having problems. I was, I was, I didn't understand why they, I was using their correct I might have, I might have, my oven might have been miscalibrated, but he said you got to use the cryo, and the cryo is going to help you um, get the steel harder. Do you know? Can you explain why cryo works? Like it, it like boggles my mind. I understand you're bringing your steel up to a temperature where all the iron carbides turn into solution that's austenite, and then you quench it in that position to convert the austenite into martensite. I get that. What is cryo doing? Further development of the martensite. Yeah. So, so, so when you quench it, some of that austenite doesn't convert, and so it's it's suspended in a martensitic um, structure or a crystalline structure. And what will happen is over time, those will kick over to martensite eventually. But then you have untempered martensite mixed in with tempered martensite. And so the cryo pulls that down to super low temperatures to help kick that over now. And then you can fully temper all of that martensite. So it doesn't kick every- – in almost all steels, there's the, ti- the like a tiny bit of retained austenite, especially the more alloying elements you have in it. But uh, the os- – uh, what is it? This- the cryo helps – convert something like 80 to 90 percent of that uh so there's only just the sparing or maybe even more actually the sparing amount that is still retained austenite that you just can't you just can't get um but that way you're not left with essentially stressed out brittle un untempered martensite in your stainless steel or really any even 5200 it's a good process to put 5200 through um so that it all kicks over. Mm-hmm. So while we're while we're on the subject, we'll just kind of you know cryo. There's two ways to go about it. Essentially, one is you you get yourself a doer, which is a container that holds liquid nitrogen. You go to your welding supply store and you get it filled. And as I learned, you can't just go like I'll you know you go to the gas station. You can only order you know I only want five gallons of you know whatever your doer is. That's what you're getting. You're not. You can't just say give me fill it up halfway. If you have, I got, I bought a two, I bought a twenty liter. I had no idea. I got a twenty liter doer from Rick Dunkerley, and I go to the guy. I go to the welding supply store. I was like, yeah, I, I just, how much is it going to be? And he's like, oh, twenty liters is going to be a hundred, a hundred sixty bucks. I don't know. I almost, I almost had a panic attack. But um, and then it, and it goes away. You know, you don't, you only have it for a certain amount of time. Hmm, how long does it, it last? It's, it's, what happens? Does it, does it just lose its 
coolness what, slowly what, evaporates. Evaporates. Yep, right. goes off. I only had it. I had this. He said it was gonna be. It was gonna boil off within a couple within a week or. Two. Wow. I had it. I had liquid nitrogen in that doer for over a month, mm-hmm. for sure. Oh, so he's lying to you. Well, you know, you know they, these I'm guys, just... these welding supply guys, and you can't a hundred percent trust what they have to say. I mean, these guys are, you know, they're selling <laughs> like torch tips and like, uh, you know, brushes. what the fuck do they know about liquid nitrogen? And the other thing you can do is you can get a cooler and get dry ice. Well, of course, you still got to go to you got to go to the welding supply store for that too, because you can't get dry ice these days very easily. And then I think. You uh, you put a block of dry ice in your cooler, and then you pour off. And tell me if I'm right. Acetone is that right? Yep, that's one of the mediums people use. Yep. And then yeah. and then it, you're getting the same you're getting the same uh, uh, cryo effect. Not the same. Oh, it's not the same. Go ahead. Uh, different temperatures. There's some steels that need what they call a deep cryo, and that's stuff like uh, one CPM one fifty four. Uh, certain steels really need to go cold and. When we're talking like liquid nitrogen, that's around was it three hundred minus three hundred twelve Fahrenheit, mm-hmm. whereas the uh, dry ice and a slurry and there's lots of different people that the the medium that you use in your slurry can actually affect how cold you can get it, uh, but that's typically I I don't know off the top of my head it's around like minus a hundred and twenty Fahrenheit or something I believe yeah. Yep. So there's a there is a difference between a dry ice cryo and a liquid nitrogen cryo. Having said that, I was talking with Mike of Ecom Knives. And he was talking with New Jersey Steel Baron, and they had said that, like, Nitro-V, for instance, doesn't need a deep cryo. Basically, once you go past the temperature of, like, 100, minus 120 or something, nothing else really changes. So it all depends on the steel as well. Sure. But there's a difference. Really quick. They're not the same. Yeah. Uh, as well as acetone working, isopropyl alcohol will also work. All right, there you go. I'm, I'm, I've been waiting for us to one t- time explain it because I never understood. I never really understood what was going on. So that that was really cool. Thanks, guys. It's a it's a big difference, and even I cryo all of my O1 tool steel. The reason for that is I can notice they say it's about a 400 percent increase in wear resistance, and. Testing it out, I did some test pieces where I'll just like in and out of Kydex like crazy. It's phenomenal. Like it is a very, very noticeable difference when I cryo a blade as to when I don't. Even a carbon steel blade, you know, pretty much any steel would benefit from cryo as part of the heat treat. Yeah, but some stainless are it's a little more critical for maximum performance. And I heard from where else, Aaron Wilburn, that he does cryo then temper then cryo then temper. You can kind of go back and forth. Um, you know, you, you can do it, you know, 40 minutes here, 40 minutes there. Is that, I, I think you, after your initial quench, after your initial quench, you want to at least snap temper before going to cryo. Mm-hmm. You don't want to quench and then go straight in the cryo. Um, so you want to at least do either a snap temper, which is just a short temper or, or a full temper cycle. And if you got the time and then go into your cryo. Mm-hmm. I always do my cryo between my two tempers. And the, yeah. the key thing is you, you always need to temper after cryo. Cool. And and how long would you leave a knife in the cryo? For me, when I do O1, uh, it's usually a couple hours. Um, and, this, you know, a lot of this is kind of you research stuff and you try out what works for you. Uh, but most of the things you'll read about stainless steel... They say that they need a decent soak. A lot like some steels need to soak at temperature. Um, so usually I just do my cryo overnight with the stainless steels. If it's no one, I mean, I'll leave it in there for a couple of hours. As long as the whole thing gets cold, bring it out, let yeah. it warm up to room temperature, and then 
into the temper. Yeah. And really the also for people who are just getting into it, the bottom line is you really want to be organized with your time because that stuff doesn't hold for a long time. You know, and it can no, be no. expensive to get all that stuff too. So as in when I was fooling around with the AEBL, I was, I, when I realized I had to use the, the, the cryo and I paid 160 bucks for the doer, I'm like, I'm doing all I talk, I get called up and I'm like, listen, I'm stopping everything. I'm going to make all these blanks right now because I don't want to mm-hmm. lose all this like nitrogen. Yep. And then that's what I know, usually do. Yeah, because you, you, you otherwise, otherwise, in terms of the cost of everything, it, it, it changes the dynamics of your cost substantially. All of a sudden, you're, you know, you're spending all this money on cryo. Yeah, you know, something interesting too is my local supply store told me. I always thought it was temperature that affected how quick how quickly it disappears, but they actually said it's the pressure change in the weather that affects you know how quickly it boils off. Huh. And so, you know, if we'll have like mm. locked in winter for months when it's just pretty much like minus 30 all the time, I'll, I'll keep liquid nitrogen in my doer for, I only have a 10 liter, but I'll keep it for like two, two and a half months. And then in the springtime, you know, when we've got these weather systems coming and all the pressure change and stuff, man, it doesn't like in a month it's gone. So I thought that was kind of interesting. I, I, apparently it has more to do with the atmospheric pressure change than That's the crazy. temperature outside the doer. Huh. I just thought that was interesting. That is super interesting. Well, there you go. Temper, we got to hit the. This is the cryo. This is the cryo class. Very good. <laughs> okay, we've got another from D Butler, twenty twenty one. Hey man, can I ask you a question? Where can I send wood to be stabilized? And any idea on what I should expect to pay? Um, I've never sent it out to be stabilized. So I got myself a little rig. Um, but I know that they charge by weight, so they'll weigh your piece before they put into the fluid. They'll then do the stabilizing, bring it out, then they'll weigh it again, then they know how much resin is taking on. So that's generally how they do it. Um, you guys ever sent any out to be stabilized? I have. I have not. Yeah, I've, I've sent some stuff down to KNG hmm. uh, a few times now, both before I joined Dragon's Breath and since. And uh, I've sent down a, essentially what is a, a medium sized flat rate box full of wood. Uh, so there's probably at least around 40 blocks in there. And uh, yeah, and what you said is exactly right. They weigh it before, um, like when they receive it, and then they weigh it when, or I'm sorry, when they receive the wood, they take all the wood out and they weigh all the wood. And then, uh, and then they put it through the processing and uh, they weigh it after and then pen, the, whatever the difference is. Or I think actually it's not the difference, it's just the weight after. Hmm. Um, Sorry, confusing everybody. Anyways, uh, but it is a good pro. The KNG does a really good job. Uh, I think is uh, WSSI also does uh, stable wood stabilizing. But I've had I've only had experience with KNG, and you know after that medium bo- box is weighed and charged, it's like one hundred and fifty to two hundred dollars. And but if you think about that, which sounds like a lot of money, but if you think about that cost amortized across. Uh, you know, 40 blocks of wood, that's only a few dollars a block. And when blocks of wood are anywhere from 25 to $125 a block, if you can source your own wood, let it cure, send it out, you're going to be saving yourself a lot of money. And you can buy stabilizing kit quite quite cheaply too. Yeah. Um, but right. what I didn't realize is that it depends where you live. Because you obviously need a good mm. a, a good pump, so I, th- I think it's a, a, at least a two stage pump you're going to need. Um, yeah. But if you're not drawing at least sort of point nine five bar, you're not going to get that deep impregnation of the resins. 
And sure. a lot of that depends getting sexy. on... Getting sexy there, Craig. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's sounding really sexy. <laughs> You're getting sexy. Let, let me You're just, getting real uh, sexy. I can't find it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> the, deeper, the deeper the impregnation, the harder the wood is going to be. <laughs> Good man. But, Good um, but yeah, the, the kit is, is relatively cheap. And weirdly, I was speaking to Jeff in the week about stabilizing as well. What I tend to do, especially if I'm putting color into my stabilizing uh, resins, I'll put another chamber inside the chamber. So rather than just fill your chamber with the resin, um, I'll use like a vase or something like that and just put it in there. So I'm only using the amount of resin that I think I'll need. That way I'm not putting colour into mm. a load of resin. Sure. Um, but but yeah, you know, have a look on, I mean, there's millions on Amazon, for example. Um, as long as you get a, a two-stage pump, um, you need to be drawing at least 0.95 bar to get, you know, a, a good soak. Um, and let it soak too. I mean, Jeff, Jeff, Oh, it's Instagram says when he does his, and he's got this this little mantra. What's your mantra, Jeff? Is it soak? It's uh, uh, big dry, deep soak, long. Oh no, no, no. you know I used to do the big dry. Uh, here we go. Dude. Here's how you. So- I'm gonna make your. Here's how you do your stabilized wood. Maybe you gotta go long dry. And then deep suck, long soak. We just lost lost half it. our listeners, I think. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, so I do long dry, uh, deep suck, easy uh, deep suck, long soak, easy bake. There we go. But uh, one go. thing about one thing about KMG I really like is they're in Arizona. So when I I actually had to make uh, I had to get some a wine barrel wood stabilized, and I milled it down, and they told me the same thing that Mareko said they that they. Um, that they they weigh it and then they, you you get the, you pay for the weight of the resin, but they'll also they asked me well you have to what's the temp what's the 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 how wet is the wood so you can have you have to they they want to make sure that the wood is dr- super super dry so I said well I have no way of knowing that so what they do is because they're in Arizona they say oh don't worry we're gonna lay it out in the sun in Arizona super dry weather and it will dry out in a couple of days mm-hmm. so they actually like test it before they test your wood before. They um they stabilize it and because you know if you stabilize it wet it doesn't really work. Yeah, what I find so happens it, it boils it almost boils the resin any liquid you've got it'll come out and it, it sort of boils and these bubbles rush to the surface and it, yeah it mm-hmm. all goes a bit crazy. AMG is yeah. great. They're, they're a great company. I have a question. Way, it's K and G. K and G uh, as in knife K-N-G. and gun. Yeah, supplies. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. A question about on stabilizing. Do you guys know how they get double dyed stabilized wood? Yeah, they they do basically no two sucks. So you'll do, you'll do a suck okay. which is <laughs> shorter in time, <laughs> which is yeah. shorter in time. Um, you then have to bake it, and again, you just bake it enough to seal uh, in that yeah. color. Um, but then you'll do a you know a much much longer longer suck for the for the second yeah, gotcha. um, that makes like a, a lot of sense stabilized. yeah yeah <laughs> that makes a lot of sense i had no idea how that's how they do it so they do like a partial they do a partial suck yeah and then they do a then a then a nice easy bake and then they do a longer suck on a different color yeah. and what they'll do sometimes <laughs> is they'll uh, they'll um use 
like I said, put a vase in or something like that, but only sort of half fill it. So you're, you're putting your block in, so it's not fully submerged. So, that, so then when it's sucking, it's almost like sucking from the bottom up and you will see almost like a gradient ah, appear. Yeah. Then when you do the second bit, turn it around the other way with a new colour and you get these gradients running into each other. Um, that makes sense. Yeah, it's pretty cool. That's cool. Thank I've you. seen at Blade Show, actually, uh, I think it was Knife and Gun, actually. They had a booth one year and they were... They were sitting there processing stuff to show people how how they do it, and they had their whole like vacuum chamber that then I think also doubled as the curing chamber, as well. Um, but just or maybe they weren't actually, but just like they had the stuff there so they could show people like, all right, this is how it goes and it goes through this and blah blah blah. Uh, so if you're going to Blade Show, I would definitely make sure uh, if you can find them and if they're going to be there, knife and gun, uh, definitely. Go check out their booth if you got any other questions about their process. Uh, but like I said, I've gotten tons of stuff done by them, and I think they do a great job. Cool. Personally, last right on. thing on stabilizing that I'm that it fascinates me. Once in a while, someone will come in with a piece of wood from like you know very they, people get very sentimental about these things, and they want me to see if they I can stabilize a log from you know a tree that fell down or something like that. I get better stabilizing results from fresh wood that I stick in my kiln. And let, you know, I, I dry it out in the kiln. It turns, you know, I, I process it way big because I know that as soon as I put it in the kiln for like forty-eight hours, it's gonna it's gonna turn to a banana. And then when I stabilize live wood or freshly live wood, I get better results in terms of like you know, the, it's just it, it it's it's not floating. It's not floating under the thing. I get better results for the stabilizing of fresh wood than I get like when I get kiln dried previously kiln dried wood that I always, when I stabilize, I always redry the wood no matter where, you know, no matter who I get it from. Yeah. Cause that, that's another thing as well. So people buy in dried wood, but it depends the humidity where you are, because the second you pull out of the kiln, for example, it's just going to suck all that moisture back up. So what I've, sure. got, I've got a couple of shelves above a radiator in my shop and I've used um, some wood to almost make a little drying cupboard above the radiator. So when it comes out of being dried, whether it's in the kiln or wherever it may be, go straight into that cupboard, knowing that it's staying warm and it's it's staying sort of dry. Um, yeah. But yeah, you know, like I've seen lots of people, you know, they're, they're buying what they call in dried woods and you just see them just on, you know, just on a shelf somewhere. And I'm thinking, well, that's just any moisture in the air. That's just picking straight back. That's... Um, that sort of, I can't think of the word, but it, it, it's going to match the moisture that's in the air immediately. So always make sure that you're putting it somewhere dry before, you know, it's always completely dry and stable before you put it into the resin. Okay. This is from Cooey Inc. Question. What's the easiest way to measure the thickness of the inside of the S grind or fuller to make sure that you don't go too thin or break through? All that outside mm. calipers I found are crazy expensive. Right. Uh, the cheapest thing I've found is to basically take a pair of the plastic cal- plastic calipers you can buy off of like offline, probably off Amazon if nowhere else. But I know Harbor Freight carries these cheap little plastic calipers, and what you can do is hit it on the grinder, and essentially. Uh, grind it in a way that allows you to get in there and and take a reading off of that um and basically it still works the same way your calipers normally would have worked it's just you grind ground in a couple hollows so you're not hitting any of the other kind of material in between and um that's probably the cheapest move 
or least expensive. I don't know. I don't want people to sound like they're cheap, uh, but least expensive route just to help give you a, a good idea as to where things are at. Yeah, or epoxy a couple of a couple of little plugs onto you know just a really cheap digital caliper. Epoxy two little plugs onto mm. the jaws and you know reset your zeros. That's smarter than I was saying. <laughs> That's way smarter. That's a good idea too. That's a really good idea because then Especially all of a sudden you you're not bumping set zero. Yeah, and then you're not, and then you're not. Pu- yeah, wow. There, strike what I said. Cut it out. Just put Craig's answer in there. <laughs> I like both answers. That's both are good, really good answers. A good question, a hard question to ask. And that was, I had no, I, I suck at S-grinds. I wouldn't even know where to go. I'll show you that tomorrow too. All right, man. man. I, you know what I tell you? I tell. Speaking of calipers, what I really want to get a pair of that are expensive, and I, I actually want to make a pair. Are that have you seen those? Uh, sometimes these guys have the golden proportion calipers. Have you seen those? No. Well, they, mm, golden they're, ratio. Golden ratio. That's yeah. right. Golden ratio calipers. They're basically it's like calipers. That the golden ratio is the you know the Fibonacci sequence, yeah. and it's something that's big with blacksmithing and scrolls, and you know how in the nature and stuff like that. But apparently, there's this caliper, and I think you know who I think uses it. To be honest with you, I think it's barbers. Like uh, uh, hair. I, when I look for them online, I was all like beauty secrets or eyebrow people. Like eyebrow people use them so they can <laughs> get the right. I'm telling you, I, you know, I was looking. I was like, I saw some guy. I had some, you know, the golden ratio calipers that show you the proportions of the knife, the proportion, the beautiful proportions like of the uh, eyebrows the, to forehead or something. Like that. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> you know what? I was for. It was the ones, the ones I saw these knife guys using. I was like, oh, look at that! I want to find that one. And then I went to wherever, and then all of a sudden, it's just like for your eyebrow. It's this for eyebrows. But it is amazing. Like I tell you, one person I talk about him all the time, Nick Anger. He's been recently doing some. Uh, 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 knives that I think he's using that golden proportion calipers because there's some like it when you get that golden ratio, there is something that's a little bit more, it just makes you realize that there's something more than just like, ah, I'll finish the handle here. You know, there's something more, there's some uh, incredibleness. That's not <laughs> a word, you know, how we're gonna go with it. So, uh, I want that's what I want to get involved in. I want to get involved in some some eyebrow calipers for my knife. <laughs> <laughs> I can see the Photoshop now, Ray, Jeff. Actually. I can see it. <laughs> <laughs> you look up these. You go look up the golden ratio calipers. It ain't going to be a metal worker. It's going to be like an eyebrow person. Now, look, uh, I think Lynn Ray on his Instagram feed, he has a set that he was using. He posted about the other day, uh, within the last of the other day, as in like the last month or so. Um, but you could, to get a, a look at one of, one of those, I also saw another somewhere. It was. Did Cliff post something about those? Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Cliff, Cliff is you know I wouldn't be surprised. I do like them. I think that they're probably relatively easy to make as long as you have the the dimensions right. But basically, it's you open it and then there's like a third instead of it just being two cappers where there's a one side and another side. There's one in the middle that moves alongside and then it constantly, no matter where you're opening the calipers, that yeah. middle line gives you the I guess it, would it be pi. Would it be uh I mean, no, how, it's a how, golden ratio, whatever that is, but it's not equal thirds. It's it's a very specific ratio. Right, right, right. So yeah. there you go. Get your eyebrows waxed. Knife talk. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh one last question from uh at seven oh two knife and tool. It says, Hey cuties, edge quenched versus hormone. What one looks better? 
which one adds more to performance as a softer spine a benefit or sorry is a softer spine a benefit to a chef's knife or is it just for aesthetics semi do you guys have something else uh, yeah, I think it's going to depend how yeah. how they use. It. Obviously, you want a softer edge on something like a big sword, but on you know on a six, seven, eight inch chef knife, I, I don't know you know how rigid how rigid that needs to be. Um, sure. I don't know. I don't know what the answer to that is. I think it's whatever gets you through the night. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I think especially on chef's knives, I think more. It, I mean, obviously, it comes from, or maybe not obviously, but it, it stems from Japanese tradition, uh, but first in swords and then that transitioning into uh, their culinary knives. Um, but they also have blades that are working with steel that gets substantially harder. And some of that is because of some of the alloying elements that naturally occur in the in the ore that they were uh, smelting steel from, some stuff like tungsten and co- cobalt as well as vanadium. Um, and so they needed that extra that soft area in the spine to kind of lend toughness to the knife. And um, soft, I guess softness or soft spine is equal to equals toughness in any knife. Uh, this is, which is why you see when anybody's doing like a, uh, ABS American bladesmith society performance test knife for either their journeyman Smith or their master Smith, they do what's called blue backing and they put heat, they over temper the spine area to soften that substantially so that it is much tougher. So that when they go to bend it 90 degrees in the vice, uh, it doesn't want to break or if it breaks, it only maybe fractures a little bit. Um, but anyhow, uh, yeah. So it, I think nowadays in most other steels, it's, especially in, I guess, more a Western approach, it is more of an aesthetic thing. So while the steel is still pretty hard, um, usually it's a high carbon steel that takes a hormone. I don't know of any stainless that can take a hormone. Um, but yeah, putting that hormone on there is to help give it kind of like that, that lend it that history, I guess, of that uh, Japanese tradition. But I also think, um, you know, the edge quench or I guess uh, like a torch hardened blade. I've seen like Jim Crow does a crazy thing with the torch where he goes up and down the blade, heating up specific spots before going around and then evenly heating it up, running the torch back and forth. But he gets a really interesting activity for a torch hardened blade that I've, I've never really seen anybody else do. And it's pretty neat. You should go check him out. If you're interested in that Jim Crowell, uh, I don't know how to spell I think it's C R O W E L or L E on Instagram, but he does a lot of work with like Nick Rossi and those guys at the new England school of work. Um, but anyways, and Neil Kamamura is doing, he's got, he's doing that too. He's got a, yeah. he's got this crazy, uh, torch with a double, like a split tip. So he's yeah, been going around that, yeah. that thing. It looks awesome. All right. Well, we're having a good time here and let's just talk about our great sponsor, the New Jersey steel Baron. Uh, it's a great company. Uh, the Brunos, uh, have it in New Jersey and they have steels for knives for, you know, all your knives and your swords and whatever you got. Any dimension, most dimensions uh, that you can use, huge variety of steel. They also do a water jet cutting service um, where, you know, you design something and you give it to them and they'll cut out your blanks, whatever. 
Um, and then there are new websites coming soon. So hopefully, we've been saying this a lot. Coming hopefully, soon. I'm gonna, I'm, <laughs> I might. I want to see Pete tomorrow. I might choke him a little bit and figure that figure out what's going on with the website. But hopefully, we're, soon we're going to have choke the sponsor. Well, I mean, I'll choke him with love. It'll be a loving choke. Hey, look, it, it won't be. It'll be. I'll give him a pat on the back before I give him a choke, and then we'll figure out what the story is. And pretty soon, we're going to have uh, deals. Uh, they're great. I've been using New Jersey Steel Baron for quite some time. They have great, not only just steel for stock removal stuff, but they do have a lot of um, steel for forging. Like I actually buy their one by one 1084. Uh, they're also doing, they're also selling jacketed steel. You know what I'm saying? Wink, wink, wink. Um, they have a lot of great stuff. I know that they're very involved with um, bladesmithing community. Bladesmithing community. They're very easy to get a hold of. I was using some Nitro V, and I was having problems. Aldo got on the phone with me and talked me through it. He's great. They're a great company, and New Jersey's too. Cool, cool, sweet. Okay, so just before we went live with this, Jeff Jeff was live on Instagram. Um, and we asked for your bad jokes. It's become a bit of a thing over the last few weeks. People have been sending in really, really bad jokes. Uh, but the thing is, we're not actually asking for bad. We're just asking for jokes. They just happen to be <laughs> really bad jokes. So we've that had, is a clutch. Deci- that's a clutch distinction. Yeah, we, we've had a few. Do you, want, do you want to read the first, Jeff? Uh, well, I'm going to read the late entry. I hate to do it, but I got to do it because, you know, this is from DK Forgeworks. I told him I wasn't going to read it, but now I am because actually it might be the best one. DK <laughs> Forgeworks, a.k.a. Difficult Dave, not the Damascus Dave anymore. Difficult Dave. This one was stolen from Pat Quinn from the Center for Mental Arts. How many earplugs does Davy Crockett need? I don't the know. Answer is, <laughs> the answer is three. One for his left ear. One for his right ear and one for his wild frontier. Ah. <laughs> I hated to do. I hated to read it, Dave. I hated to do it, but it actually wasn't the worst. Wasn't the worst of the worst. We got another from Nick W. Tanner. The other day, my wife asked me to pass her lipstick. I, ac- I accidentally passed her a glue stick. She still isn't talking to me. <laughs> 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 All right, this one's from Doran Creative. He says, what do you call a crocodile in a vest? Any guesses? Mm-hmm. It's, uh, you call him an investigator. Ah. <laughs> you know, someday somebody's going to have to send us a good one. Because it's like, I mean. Not good. It's never, it, they're never good. I got some never. good ones. I just don't think they're appropriate for the show. <laughs> uh, you never know. Put some put that sexy music on. You buy that might be pretty appropriate. <laughs> Craig's community showcase. Community showcase. The bit where we like to talk about members of the community whose work maybe isn't getting the audience that it that it should be getting, or we just think their work is incredible. So I'm going to kick off, and we're going to have four this week because I know Jeremy's got one too. So I'm going to go you with one of our one of our followers from Knife Talk Podcast, and they posted a great picture this week of their stuff that they bought from Combat Abrasives, and it's Eric from Racer Racks. Now I've just mm, been nice. just been looking through his feed this morning, actually. And what I really like about it is that I don't think Eric is a full time bladesmith, um, but he does all sorts of stuff. So as well as making knives, he makes wooden spoons. He, he he's been forging some tongs, that kind of thing. Um, and he just seems to be having lots and lots of fun by making lots of different things. Um, and he's obviously very talented at them too. So it's, so it's a good follow. So go and, go, go and follow Racer Racks 
on Instagram. Well, I'd like to. By the way, Eric's a good dude. He he actually he goes down to the Center for Mental Arts a lot. He's a really he's a good guy. He makes a lot of awesome things. Mm. Um, I'm going to go a little bit off the beaten path and not go with uh, somebody who'd normally su- suggest. I actually was having drinks with this friend of mine. His name is Nico Tavernisi. He is an old friend of mine. When I first started podcasting about 10 years ago, he, 10 years ago? Yeah, something like that. We used to podcast together. He's actually a set photographer, and he's a set photographer on movies. And some of the movies he's been a set photographer on, you've all heard of. Like, he did the iconic um, image from uh, Black Swan of, of uh, Natalie Portman. Mm-hmm. He's done, He did the Spider-Man movies with uh, uh, Andrew Garfield. He's done all most the last two of the John Wick movies he's done uh, Martin Scorsese the post he's been on he's been on a million different sets it's almost like uh the, the, you know Forrest Gump he's in there he's always in on these sets and he's a close friend of mine he's a really good follow because his pictures are amazing he does do pictures mm-hmm. for me which i love but like he does the behind he'll post up the behind the scenes pictures I'll tell you a funny little story when he was on Spider-Man with Andrew Garfield he got very close with uh, the the president of Marvel Comics, Avi Aram, and they were talking and talking and Avi Aram. But before they got rid of Andrew Garfield, they said we're gonna uh, we're gonna introduce one of the next episodes. We're gonna do uh, the Sinister Six. I guess it's like a big villain thing. So Nico, as a joke, decided, well, I'm just I'm gonna take a picture of him, and I photo she photoshopped Sinister Six on the building. And then he posted it, and it turned into this monumental, like, viral, oh, they're going to do Sinister Six or Sinister Six. Nico's in the restaurant, and all of a sudden his phone blows up. It's all the lawyers from Sony Pictures because they're like, what are you doing? you got to take it down. We're going to sue you. We're going to sue you. And he had a, this total panic attack. And But, you know, obviously it didn't ever happen. But uh, Nico is my buddy. He's my brother. We used to podcast the Downward Spiral together, and he's a really great feed if you want to see amazing photographs behind the scenes in the movie business. Nice. I'm yeah. in. I'm in. Oh. I'm going to follow him now. Yeah. He's a, he's I want to know about this. I want to know about this podcast you used to be on there. Are there still episodes up somewhere? There are. Gratefully, we were talking about it last night and um, they're hard to find. And I'm very grateful for that because it's like <laughs> we were both like when we were doing it. It was like we were both, you know, trying to be Howard Stern, trying to be Don Imus, trying to be, you know, and it became a therapy session for Nico. It became me. I wanted to be, you know, Opie from Opie and Anthony, Opie, Opie, Greg Opie Hughes. And it was like, we, it wasn't as polished, obviously, as this. So it was a lot of like, there was a, there were a long, I mean, we were going like three hours sometimes. And that doesn't um, surprise me. Yeah, hey, I got time. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. I get you. So uh, the answer is no, but we were actually talking about maybe trying to maybe do one again. Hey. I do, uh, Jer- he asked Jeremy. Jeremy listened to one. He he. Jeremy Spake found one, and it was uh, pretty intense. Right. I wouldn't recommend right. it, by the way. No, that's that's number two. Is like I wouldn't say if you want to hear more, look for the downward spiral. You're not, you're not, uh, you're not, you know, you're not going to find anything you're going to like. Trust me. All right, so my showcase this week is Mr. Greg Hansen Senior. He's on Instagram as g.l. underscore Hansen and Sons. Uh, he is the founder of Unique Micarta, 
Um, you may have seen some people starting to use some of this crazy, cool micarta that's got all this wild activity and stuff on it, especially the end grain kind of activity. And I, I really just admire kind of the creativity and the, and, the, and the intriguing patterns that he creates. Even with the unicolor um, micartas, there's still tons of crazy cool activity in them. But he, so he makes this micarta. It's his business. It's uniquemicarta.com. Uh, he, I talked to him actually before this episode, um, and he said uh, they they do most of their business through Instagram. If you want to see what's coming up or what's coming available, you got to check out their Instagram because every time they make a new billet, Instagram is the first place they post about it. Um, but they also have a website where you can see uh, what their what other inventory they have available. Um, but uniquemacarta.com, Greg Hansen Sr. Uh, give him a follow. Go check out his stuff. Uh, let him know that you heard about him uh, from us here at the Knife Talk and and you know, it's just you can get a hold of some of this stuff. It's like super, really. I mean, it's just really cool, really crazy activity, and I love it. And I, I actually just got a hold of a block, um, and I'm really interested to put it to use, and uh, just to see once I get it all carved or I guess sculpted up to see how that end grain activity plays into the sculpted shape of the handle. Yeah, because he's doing like that cross cut my card and stuff, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's neat stuff. Yeah, I've watched sometimes he'll do live feeds and actually show you him like cutting it up and and putting it in molds and stuff. He actually does a lot of live feeds too, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah, well, and, and all of his stuff, like he's built all those machines that the press machines himself. Um, I think they they've started getting into uh, heat curing the micarta. And I think that also just is a reflection of the type of resin that they might be using. Um, but I think that is more of a kind of industrial strand standard that you will see is people using a heat cured micarta, which just means it's that much more stable, that much more hardy and, um, and you know, uh, reliable to work with. Cool. 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 Who yeah. have you got, Jeremy? Um, the gentleman that I'm going to uh, let you guys know about, his name is Tim Roland of Roland Cutlery on Instagram. And uh, he doesn't have a lot of followers. He's got like 224, I think. But he does some really nice WA-style handle. And um, my my little obsession right now is is the WA-style handle and, and trying to get close to Japanese-style knives. And uh, he just does some incredible work and super friendly. Like, I asked him a couple questions. You know, when you've got an Instagram account, we all get tons of questions every day, right? And sure. um I try not to ask because I know what it's like. You know, I, I'm at the point now I can't keep up to the questions that come in. Um, but there's some things that, like, man, I've racked my brain. I've looked online. I can't find an answer. And then I'll find people and kind of reach out and say, hey, can I steal a little of your time? Can I ask you a question? And Tim has just been fantastic. He's like, hey, here's my number. Give me a phone call. I'll walk you through how I do it. And uh, also his, his work is very inspiring. Like his, his handles are so clean. And uh, I, I was surprised at how few followers he has for the type of work that he's doing. So that's sure. Roland Cutlery, Tim Roland on Instagram. I'm not sure where he's out of somewhere. Which Tim so, Roland? Because I, I, I was I'm looking it up and I'm having uh, a cow highlighting a cut of beef and a cleaver in the belly. Cow. Tim Roland. Two L's. Oh. Nope. There <laughs> <we go. laughs> There's the beef. So it's Roland Cutlery. Sounds good. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Good deal. That is a show. Awesome. That is a show. Thank you so much, Jeremy, for popping in. Thank um, you, gentlemen, for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. 
Unbelievable. Fantastic. I, I think, you know what? It seems so long ago that quiz. I've forgotten about it. And um, yeah. yeah. Let's, keep, <laughs> no let's keep forgetting about that. <laughs> no congratulations. Whoa, I won third square this time. You can't. You I did. Oh, yeah. square this time. You answered like two questions and then just cruised the rest of the way. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's daring of you, sir. Daring. I mean, just didn't answer I questions wrong. I get them right, I win. I get them wrong, I lose. I got it right for how I won. You know, come on, man. Happy Easter, everybody! By the way, yeah, yes, Hope you have a nice gonna be Easter and Passover. It's going to be Easter Monday on the day this is released. And um, I was uh, thinking about this earlier. So Jeremy's been on before. This is this is Jeremy's second coming on Easter Monday. Who'd have thought? Oh, was it really? It went, yes. Look at that. It's the blacksmith's holiday, you know. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, who made those they, nails, right? They didn't put them up with zip ties. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> that took me a second. I've never heard that one before. <laughs> well, it's a fact. Um, you you know, with peace, love, and respect, and, you know, honor. Come on, let's... let's That's undisputed, yeah? Undisputed, right there. Everybody agrees on that yeah. one. Happy Easter, everybody, and we shall speak to you next week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.